This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Class Action Now. Hey, new clubs again, Bob? You just got a new set. That class action lawsuit I was a part of just settled. Oh, really? Which one? The one involving red Toyota Corollas. But, uh, you drive a Lincoln. Exactly. You gotta call these guys and get in on the action. Class action now. There are so many class action lawsuits. If you haven't settled with one yet, you are missing out. That's why we are here. Class Action Now. Matching real people with real class action lawsuits. If you or someone you know has ever eaten too much at a Golden Corral, or felt ridiculed for your film purchases checking out at a Holiday Inn, or been groped by a priest in Vermont or Pennsylvania, coming soon, Ohio, or been sexually harassed by Donald Trump, or did that tweet from Stephen A. Johnson spoil the ending of Game of Thrones for you? Then log on and fill out our short survey and we will match you with class action lawsuits that fit you. Remember, if you're not settling, you're losing. Class action now. Thank you for cracking another Road Soda. Greg, how do you feel about changing the name to Road Pop? Road Pop. Yeah. Let's uh, let's table it for now. Let's, uh, all right, just for now, but I'm bringing it back up. On this episode, we interview the man who is humanizing porn stars, and everyone would totally download a car. I'm Isaiah Cooper. With me is Greg McGinnis. And we are showing you the Heaven's Gate train leaving the station and the Harry Potter train pulling in right behind it. And we also see the most grandiose lead up ever to someone ordering a sandwich. Someone ordering a sandwich. Here we are all the way to 97 just chugging right along as we as we do. As we, as we absolutely do. Uh, we got some more listener mail. Listener mail, everybody. This comes from Grant Pettit. Hey, Grant. Big listener. He's always listening. Uh, we're big fans of this fan. He's a Grant, uh, great, uh, Grant guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he said, why would Woody Harrelson's father need a good lawyer? Hmm? Why would he, Greg? Well, uh, he was a contract hitman, so yeah, he probably had a lot of Yeah, Woody Harrelson's lot of legal father trouble. killed... JFK, everybody knows that. That's Allegedly. Common knowledge. Common knowledge. And he also wanted to uh, send his condolences to you. He said, Greg, I've been there with the proverbial guitar player, but happier where I am now, and that was just part of the journey. Uh, you remember I told my story about how I went for the date and uh, the guy was there with the guitar playing that annoying Breakfast at Tiffany song, and I realized... I was not the guy that was going to be taking. Should have learned Wonderwall. Then you could have. Should have learned Wonderwall. That's the that's the lesson there. Is should have learned Wonderwall. Uh, everybody, as always, we love to hear from you. So if you ever want to write in, so we can read your mail to everybody here. Whatever you write to us, we would love to read. You can send that to roadsodamail at gmail.com. And if you do that, uh, or if you just want 
if you just want to send us your address, we'll send you a, a free postcard, no matter what. You don't even have to write into the show and tell us anything. You can just send us your uh, mailing address, and we'll send you a free postcard from Road Soda. Have you sent any of those postcards overseas yet? I need to get... Um, I feel like we've got like a half a dozen requests for people in Thailand, Vietnam. They're really, and- really uh, itching to get those their postcards out there. That's... Um, uh, I guess that maybe there's a big postcard market out in Vietnam, but we need uh, I need to stop off at a post office on my way home or at some point and get international postcard stamps. It's a different it's a different stamp, a different denomination for international. It's got like does it go anywhere? Like you just there's an international. You post- just slap that stamp on it, and once it goes into the mail, they'll fucking fly it to Antarctica if you if that's where the person is. For the same price, it would go to Mexico. It's all the same. That's wow. just an international stamp. Wow. Yep, international. I've uh, done it plenty of times. It, the, when I was using them before, it, the stamp itself was actually pretty large, and it was shaped like a globe. It was like a, a picture of a globe, and it was round. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, guys, we will send those motherfuckers anywhere. We love to hear from you. We love to uh, turn this into the the road soda communities, where it's... Really, what we're trying to get at, and um, we're looking forward to the next Hailbop comic coming around, and we've got some big plans for all that. So, guys, also, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the post to the postcard, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it now, if you're on Spotify or anywhere else, so you never miss an episode. And also, if you've never done it before, leave us a review. If you're on um, if you're on, uh, if you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to it, just leave us a review. I guess if you leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening to it, the reviews actually help you a lot get into more of a mainstream, uh, you know, look. So if people are looking through, oh, I'm just browsing podcasts. What can I listen to? If there's a lot of reviews showing how awesome a podcast is, these people will, uh, it'll, it'll put it there. So why not leave us a review? That'd be fun. And you can follow us everywhere at Road Soda Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. It's all at Road Soda Podcast. It's very easy. That's also our Facebook page. And um, thank you guys for for thank you guys for just listening in general. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Crest Taint Whitening Strips. The top taint scientists got together and the results are sparkling. Crest Taint Whitening Strips. For a taint so bright white, you'll need an eye mask for your asshole. I've heard all the same promises. 10% whiter, 20% less burning. Big business is constantly lying its way onto my taint. Sometimes my taint is arguably brighter, but then the burning increases. Or when they come out with a product that doesn't burn quite as much, I don't get compliments on my taint. What will make these strips any different? Those assholes at Colgate don't know their taints from their teeth. Our guys called their lab and they are using the exact same strips at both ends. Teeth strips on your taint? What are you, an idiot? Crest Taint Whitening Strips. For a white so bright, your balls will call your asshole to shut the hall light off. A Popco brand. News time. That's what time it is right now. It is the news time. Time for new stuff, not old stuff. Greg, this is a commercial 
that just came out. Actually, I don't know if it just came out, but it's it was advertised very recently. I guess it played down in Brazil. But what I want to do is I want to play this commercial for you. And uh, we're going to play it live. And I want you to di give a verbal expl uh, explanation of what you're seeing. I'm ready. All right. And then just try to maybe figure out what the commercial is for as you're watching, okay? Okay. Okay. I'm seeing close-ups of baby faces smiling. Yeah. Like a, a mobile. mobile. Yeah. It's a baby. Nice, soft piano music. It's baby. Beginning of a baby's life. He's touching a guitar. Yeah, like a montage kind of thing, right? It's a montage. Now the kid's growing. First, second, third birthday, maybe. Slice of life. Kid's brushing his teeth with a stick, maybe. Kid is pissing. They just almost showed a kid's dick. Yeah, that was weird. That was kind of weird. The music is like very monumental, like an Apple commercial or something. Yeah, we're watching this kid grow up. There's a lot of gravity to it, too, though. Yeah. It's very heavy. The whole thing is kind of dark, isn't it? Like, it's there's nothing really bright going on. All the colors are real. Ooh. Yeah. Kid got his first glimpse of maybe a nude lady. All right, so this is like a little grittier than you'd expect for like an Apple commercial. Right. He's so yeah, shaving. But what, what kind of commercial do you think this is so far? Like, what know. do you think this is for? Texting while driving? I don't know. I mean, you see, this is his first kiss right here. So we watched him grow up, and this is his first kiss. Now he's now she's banging someone else. Ah, shit! Is he? Now it gets even darker. Uh oh, now he's like shaving his hair. He's like rebelling as a teen. He's pissed, arguing with his mom at 16. This is a long ass commercial. This is a long commercial. It's got to pay off though. Okay, it's for Beats headphones. Maybe I saw him with headphones. He's had headphones, and now he's where is he? Looks like he's in some other, like, Vietnam well, or something. Now he's like, yeah, he's in... So that girl made him, what, go to Vietnam? I don't know if it's the girl or maybe just teen angst. Yeah, teen he's angst. He's growing up. He's finding his own style. This is going to be for, like, alcohol or jeans. Right. He's like his own man. He's car. He's gone a long way. Oh. Huh. Wow. Huh. It's a Subway Wait. commercial. Oh, is that what it is, Greg? <laughs> we went to a Subway. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's a bit much. It was for a, a subway fucking commercial. subway commercial. Yeah, I've come all this way. I'll have a ham sandwich. I'll have a ham sandwich. I've come all this way. Wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, that commercial can go any way. Like, until yeah. the last two seconds when you see he walks up and there's a lady with a subway hat on and she's smiling, ready to take his order. And he's smiling, like, oh, my life now is culminating right. in a delicious tuna sandwich. Yeah, like, it, that, that. That, they could sell the first two minutes and 20 seconds of that commercial anyway. to any company. It totally and they could have been buy Apple. It, they change the hat at the end. And, they go, and it's an Apple hat. And it's a... Uh, now, listen, if I didn't have any build-up from you on it, not that there was build-up, but like you're showing it to me. And, like, Of course, I would, we wouldn't do all this. I would have certainly assumed it was going to be either like for Jaguar or Mercedes or like an Omega yeah, those, watch or like at least an Apple product. Maybe even life insurance. Maybe life insurance, <laughs> but I also could have seen it be like a texting while driving because those ads are getting so like all this life is you know or but then when you saw it get kind of dark you're like maybe it was like drugs yeah say no to drugs all this time went into this person don't get hooked on fucking meth say yes to subway is what it is say saying yes to subs a very interesting uh, long winded subway commercial can we stop right now so we can go get a delicious 
chicken oriental at subway chicken oriental (laughs) is that what they have greg on their six how about this kevin bacon podcast huh kevin bacon's got a podcast does that sound really well maybe it's not exactly what you think uh kevin bacon to star in a spotify so we know that spotify is now producing their own podcasts and uh, Kevin Bacon, <coughs> ah, jeez, Greg, you're ruining the whole thing. Whoops. With his with his I'm bodily functions, bacon. he's allergic to bacon. I'm gonna be Kevin Bacon. Hails from a producer at Funny or Die, uh, and creator Dan Abramson. So he's actually uh, uh, Spotify has lined up a new podcast project starring Kevin Bacon, and it's push for original audio programming. The streaming service has ordered a comedy podcast series, I'm Gonna Be Kevin Bacon, in which... I'm Gonna Be Kevin Bacon. Yeah, that's the name of the... um, Okay. In which the actor stars as a heightened version of himself. So it sounds like an audio drama. That kind of... That kind of thing in there. Is that something you're gonna listen to, Greg? Dan Abramson was a writer for... He's done some comedy stuff. It looks like he he was on... He was a PA on Scary Movie 4. No real writing credits. On Scary Movie 4? Scary Movie 4. With he no, was a that's, PA. That's real writing credits, dude. Cut! I gotta piss and I don't want to go to the thing. Can someone bring me my jug? His piss jug. He's piss jug boy. Number four. <laughs> a strange... How about another... We're on to another one, man. I have... I had a... I had a... a uncanny... A, not un, I had an ability... This week to collect a canny them. ability, not an uncanny ability. A it's canny. a canny, a canny one. A strange odor f- affects yet another Spirit Airlines flight. Really? I mean, if if you had to ask, if you left out the name of the airline and said, "Where do you think this title? What airline do you think this title belongs to?" I think Spirit would probably be my first one. Yeah. A flight headed towards Tampa, Florida, oh, check that out, was forced to turn around and land back in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Oh, check that out. From shithole to shithole. They were just bussing people back and forth. Due to the presence of an unusual odor. This isn't the first time that something like this has happened in Spirit Airline flight. Yeah. Did they say anything about what the odor was? uh, Yeah, it's Spirit Airlines. Welcome. Because now I'm thinking of that. I just showed my kid the the Tim... um Robinson sketch, where he's in the gun store. Well, well, well. If it's it a, isn't the maid at the La Quinta. He did a paint job in there. <laughs> As if it isn't the flight attendant from the Spirit Airlines. He said I took a dump so bad we had to turn the plane around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Reports of smoke. So um, a spokesman for Spirit Airlines told Fox News Flight 341 from Atlantic City to Tampa returned to the gate following reports of unusual order. Port, reports of smoke in the cabin and the cockpit in the cockpit are unfounded and inaccurate. Yeah, so I guess they, there was a strange smell. People were like, I think I smelled smoke because they're just fucking. Um, but maybe there was probably just like a smell of like shit, or maybe someone who was smoking back in the bathroom, or. Maybe the whole thing is set up. So the plane fire. already had taken off and had to go back? Yeah, it was in the air and they're like, we gotta go back because that smell is strong. It's uh-huh. basically what they were basically what they were well, saying. Well that sucks. You just lost a bunch of money. You're from Tampa. You went up to Atlantic City, just lost a bunch of money. Now you can't even get back on the fucking plane without some asshole causing a ruckus and you gotta turn back around. Your life's already probably not. And you're great. talking to the stewardess going can we do plane for like two hours? If I can just get back to the casino, 
think I can win some of this money back. I mean, your life is already shit if you're flying from like New Jersey <laughs> back and forth, New Jersey and Tampa. No, and that's like, that's Isaiah's personal view. Road soda does not feel that your life is shit if you're flying. If you from New Jersey are Florida. have a good life and you're going back and forth from Jersey City, maybe your to grandmother Tampa Bay. lives in Jersey and you're a maybe your grandmother is spending all her time at the slot machines. <laughs> How about this? Uh, a physics, uh, sorry, a physicist. A physicist and his son are 3D printing a full-scale Lamborghini. Sweet. Yeah. 15 years ago, the Motion Picture Association of America released an anti-piracy public service announcement that has since been turned into a meme aimed at those who illegally download media online. Do you, do you recall what they're talking about? I mean, that sounds like every movie. Yeah, so like when the movie would start, it would say, no, it was like the anti-piracy ad. Oh, it's so harsh on everything. Yeah. It was, Wait, it, is there a particular anti-piracy ad? Yeah, it was a specific one. It said it would show a guy breaking into a car and it was... You wouldn't steal this. You wouldn't you steal was, a car. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. what it says. You wouldn't steal a car, a message would read on the opening credits of most commercial DVDs at the time. Okay. So you get a DVD, you put it in, you wouldn't steal a car, don't pirate, right? It's the same thing, is what they were saying. Totally not. Well, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, now 3D printing could make the silly message a reality. Physicist Sterling Bacus, Bacchus is 3D printing a full-scale Lamborghini Advent, uh, Avent, Aventor, uh, Avente, okay, all right. Aventador, Aventador. Oh, those are nice. Yeah? Those are nice. If you showed me three different Lamborghinis, I would not be able to tell the difference between each one. Uh, inspired supercar in his own backyard. So, yeah, they're just 3D printing it piece by piece. They're putting it together. That's actually the, a picture of it. Looks pretty nice, doesn't it? Like, that's obviously not finished. You can see some... Where they're putting the different pieces together and whatnot. I wonder how much that will cost to print. All so the they pizza. say so far. Uh, uh, let's say, 3D printing the media network reports. He and his son have been working on the project for almost a year and a half. Sterling has already put about twenty thousand dollars into the project. Hmm. So a Lamborghini that's upwards of what three hundred thousand dollars probably is now. <laughs> he's just. Well, how far along is he? Uh, I, I'm not sure. It didn't say... Like, if he's only doing it with, like, you know, a wheel and a fucking axle. Uh, no, that's a picture of it. That's an actual picture of what they're doing. I mean, it's all, like, weird. The color's all weird, but I saw a picture earlier. The duo printed the body panels, taillights, headlights, and even uh, air vents from a variety of plastics to ensure the car was safe to drive. Bacchus wrapped some of the printed parts in carbon fiber. The car is technically not made of 3D printed parts in its entirety, though the engine, chassis, and other structural pieces were gathered separately. So it seems like they built most of the parts. It's mostly just like the body and the So frame we spent right. two years and about 77000 to build the door panels, and then we went and bought an engine for a buck eighty and... All kinds of other bullshit. It's probably going to cost, you know, a little more than a regular one. Technically, cool. we printed a Lamborghini. But me and my dad are bonding, and we're both kind of into this type of stuff. Bring soapbox derby car to a, it's a whole nother, whole nother level. Of course, what would an episode of our news be without a monkey attack? Monkey attacks. <laughs> monkey attacks. Guys, more prevalent than shark attacks, more prevalent than any other kind of attack is the monkey attack. 
This one, however, is a little bit, um, it's a little bit sad. I mean, all monkey attacks are. Someone is getting killed by a monkey, but this one's pretty sad. A monkey killed a one-month-old baby in India while snatching her milk bottle. The infant and her mother, Sonita Devi, were at home in Junavi, in the country's north, on Saturday when the attack happened. Report. What country is this? India. Dude, it's always India. So always India? Yeah, it's India, some very rarely Japan, Indonesia, was uh, one of our monkey attacks. But most often it's it's in the larger cities in India. They have macaques that run amok, and they're just jumping on people's verandas and... That sucks, man. Yeah, Michael it's baby. really, really, really sad. Uh, very, very sad. But let's now move to Hawaii, right? Where a man is on trial for a road rage incident. Uh, it was on US H1, which I believe stands for Highway 1. Now, if you can take a look at this guy, uh, we'll be able to put it up here on our... If you could see him. Uh, Holy shit. Uh-oh. I was trying to get technically savvy with the podcast here and and actually cast the entire thing up on the TV. So the Hawaii man wears blackface, goes on strange rant before sentenced to life in prison for road rage attack. Did he kill someone? Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> so he was in a road rage incident. Dude, uh, the computer's going crazy. He was in a road rage incident and... He jumped out of his car and, and was a, a stabbed three people, and I guess he killed somebody. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wore, he, so he showed up, and, and uh, he's a Hawaiian man, so he looks, he's looks of Samoan descent, and he, he showed up to his trial just with black polish all over his entire face and head. And <laughs> he looks pretty excited about it there. <laughs> And um, weirdo, what the fuck was he? What was his deal? Why did he stab three people? Was it this it was like road a, rage? Someone cut him off. Uh, I same? mean, I didn't. It didn't say in this article what incited the road rage. So this is a dude that just snapped and he's like, "Fuck everything." Yeah, which is funny. And um, and and the guy. So he did it to say, "I was defending." So he paints his face black as a statement. This is what his statement was. Uh, they summed it up right here. Um, this kangaroo court is giving me a life sentence for me trying to protect and defend myself against the attack from three guys. In essence, treating me like a black man. So that's why he then paints himself black and comes to you. Treating me like a black man. Um, wow. Yeah. As in he's he thinks he's getting shafted. And uh, I love the judge, what the judge does. And he says, um, he says, what you need to do is look in the mirror and if you look in the mirror, Mr. Char, you're not going to see a black person. You're going to see a menace. You're going to see a menace to society. <laughs> Jesus. Good guy. Good guy, Mr. Mr. He did uh, a black permanent marker. That's what it, is that what it, did that's it say? That's what it says, yeah. Black permanent marker. Yeah, dude, it looks like black permanent marker. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it look like... Uh, I, I'm curious now. I want to know what was the incident like. Does he yeah, have any you'd probably stand have to, on or did he just jump out of his car and start stabbing people? Because he might have freaked out and said, you fucking asshole. And then yeah. two big dudes, because oh, he's 60. You know, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're going to 
beat his fucking ass and he fucking sta- just and he stabbed, stabbed one guy that attacked him and then everyone around him. You're completely right. And I think But that, I don't know. He looks like a fucking whack job now. Yeah, obviously this, if so. he's if he's to this point, but is he was he already like that or is he put in this situation where he is not getting justice and for defending like, himself and his fuck it and and had he's snapped and now done this. So I mean it's it's no telling. So you can see oh wait. You can't see the titles that I have up there because it's not being casted. I was going to ask you, which one do you think we should do? Let's do one more. One more great news story. I'm going to read to you three different little things. You tell me what. Uh, Guy flushing stuff, witches and shit, and he don't count. He don't count. He don't count. That's the article we're going for. This is our last news article that we are going to see. I don't think it's actually going to load up there. It's like it it would want me to cast it new. We're going to get better as we go along with this podcast. Uh, Nevada Nevada Highway Patrol pulled over a hearse. <laughs> right? And it's pulling up right now. Nevada uh Nevada Highway Patrol Trooper Travis Smaka was on Interstate 15 Monday when he noticed someone driving a solo in the HOV lane. You know, the carpool lane? I'm starting to see what the story's about already. Yeah? (laughs) He stopped the car. (laughs) He stopped the car, a Chrysler minivan, and was caught off guard by what the driver said. The driver informed me... The driver informed me that he had someone who was deceased in the back seat, uh, Smaka said. The trooper peered inside, and sure enough, it was equipped like a hearse with the rail and the gurney holding a deceased person. The driver asked, so uh, he doesn't count in the back, huh? (laughs) Smaka said he got a good chuckle out of it, but informed the driver that no, deceased person does not count. He let the driver off with a warning. Oh, so he locked out. He didn't get a ticket, so apparently you can get away with that shit. Yeah, if you just have a dead guy. But he didn't ask, like, who's the dead guy? (laughs) <laughs> that's the famous serial killer John Wayne Gacy but yeah that's, that would actually be a good way to get away with it is drive around in a hearse and just always have a hearse people. Yeah, I'm, on my, I'm on my way to the my job I'm just transporting this guy in a hearse so that's our news for today folks this episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Tits and Grits the only strip club and breakfast buffet when the bar shut down, we open up everything. Our doors, breakfast buffet bar, and much, much more. The breast breakfast restaurant you've been waiting for. Unrivaled girls and unmatched prices. Eat through your drunk until you spunk. Tits and The only thing that can make a titty bar better is bacon. Tits and Every morning from 2 to noon, we'll see you there. Tits and Greg, why don't you 97 us? Yes, so 1997. What were you doing in 1997? I was living in New Mexico. I was... You were a New Mexican. New Mexican. I was about six or seven. I was probably in third grade. I was... 
under the the I was under a lot of pressure because I never did any sort of schoolwork or anything I ever had to do. So every single day was going to school and with this pit in my stomach that the teacher was going to she would call me up to her desk already in third grade. Every day it would she would call me right up to her desk and I would have to stand at her desk and while she would just sit there and berate me. And uh every day was just worrying about that. So that was that was uh but then that teacher that but then that teacher one time she was on the way uh i heard we we saw on the news that some lady got hit by a horse and it was my teacher what happened was she was driving behind somebody on the highway and the person in front of her hit a horse and the horse flipped over their car through the air and landed on her car and it fucked her up jesus and that bitch was out for the back half of the year we had a substitute teacher for a half a fucking year and then you just get to watch movies so the rest of my the prayers year. all came true because god loves me and hated that bitch wow <laughs> i'm glad i asked that's a hell of a 97 that's right so let's look what was going on outside of new mexico uh january 20th 1997 bill clinton sworn in for a second term the first black sec president that's right our first black president second term uh, on February 4th, an interesting story that I saw. Which term did he get his dick sucked that uh, we know of? That I mean, was he obviously, second term. That was second term. Because he obviously... Got I mean, I'm sure he got his dick sucked the whole time. But the, the Monica Lewinsky dick sucking is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I believe that happened in the second term. Um, two Israeli helicopters collided. The, the rotor of one hit the tail of the other. That one immediately crashed, and the other guy tried to... I don't know what the fuck happened. I tried to get a little bit more detail on it, but 73 dudes died. Yeah. They were moving guys into Lebanon. That's a lot of people on two helicopters. Yeah. Big helicopter. That's the thing about helicopters. If it's something fucks up, there's no safe way to get around it. Like, if, a, if an engine blows on a plane, you can glide it and land it. But if something fucks up on a... You're just a brick in the sky if something fucks I up on like a helicopter. I feel like I'd rather be in a helicopter, but you're right. I mean, nah. Nah, dude. If something fucks up on a plane, they can glide it and just kind of skin it. I know, it but if something fucks up on a plane, you're like a million, you're six miles in the air. But they still. A helicopter, something fucks up, they go, oh shit, we gotta go down like a hundred yards, then we can jump. Nah, that's not how it works. <laughs> you wanna be on a plane, because a plane's got wings, and if everything shuts off, if anything, it's a glider. But a, but a helicopter's just You heard a, it here first. If you want to survive an aerial situation, but a helicopter's a just a brick in the sky. <laughs> Um, February 22nd, there was a big announcement. Dolly, the first cloned mammal, she was a... Sheep. Sheep. She was actually cloned in uh, July of 96, but these uh, Scottish doctors announced it February 22nd. A, A sheep will last, that type of sheep would last 11 to 12 years. She only lived six years. And then they were like, oh, because she was cloned off a six year old sheep, like with a gene, da da da. And they went, no, the fucking thing was indoors because it had to be indoors for safety because they were monitoring the fuck out of it. Probably had all kinds of probes sticking in it and it lived indoors. And that happened sometimes. Why didn't, why didn't it have a good life? It died of like <laughs> lung cancer and fucking like mesothelioma or something. They were, shit. yeah, but they were, yeah, like you said, they were probably testing. It was in a, it was in a warehouse with a generator running 24 seven to have the it was fucking... doing asbestos removal. <laughs> <laughs> it would use its wool to mop up asbestos. Then and so then, shortly after that, there was a proclamation by Bill Clinton. Like the following month, that was in February. Like the following month, they banned federal funding for human cloning, which was like a bullshit thing because there was it's nobody that was actually. It's a doing big it. leap, Bill. It's like yeah, they're just like we're not gonna fucking clone people, so don't worry about it. Let's get back to sucking my dick. Uh, You heard it here, Greg's impression of Bill Clinton. 228. This is something I'd never heard of. These two dudes robbed a bank in North Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They made their own fucking body armor. 
Right. And they had hardcore fucking guns. They had you a... You know what? I think I just listened to the doll about this. Did you really? Yeah. Dude, these dudes were fucking crazy badass fuckers. They just went to rob a bank. Mm-hmm. Like, you would... You know, you hear about this type of bank robbery all the time. But you, did they tell you about why they did it? No. They, were, they wanted to succeed. They bought property and they wanted to use the money and all their ammo and everything to, like, succeed and become their own country with, like, in L.A. It was, there was just, dude, it's just meth-addled insanity is what it is. Yeah, they actually took phenobarbital to calm their nerves before they went to this bank, and they took digital watches and embedded them in their gloves and sat them for eight, like, on their Casios. But then they got fucked because as soon as they went, all right, eight minutes, because they had listened to police scanners and they figured that eight minutes was the response time that they were going to have to get out before. Mm -hmm. But as they were going in, fucking a patrol car drove by the bank. Dude, literally Fuck. every single thing they did, they planned it. It talked about in the in the dollop, like how long they planned it for, and how the second everything started, it was fucked. Yeah. Like they planned this, they planned it for like months. But these dudes had the fucking guns they had. I don't know guns. And all, all the guns were like left in the first vehicle. Like as soon as they jumped out of the first vehicle, they they were cut in half how many how much ammo and guns they had yes like they just Although fucked they did, everything they did a good job though of moving guns from one car to another well yeah because they like, had some set up in different cars but like at some point they hijacked a car like they split up they had to and the, the, he took this like old dude's jeep and the dude had a fucking kill switch in his fucking jeep and he hit it and ran off and he jumped in the jeep <laughs> and he was like what the fuck is a kill switch in that, that guy fucking, jeep? fucking that guy and, but the guns they had were all, like, shaved down and, like, set up to be fucking fully automatic. Dude, I saw a diagram, right? So they... Uh, this is not going to play well on the podcast, but picture, like, city blocks. The bank is, like, on the bottom left-hand corner. And then there's a street on each side that runs behind it. And then there's, you know, it's gridded out behind it. They had, like, cop cars blocking off all the fucking streets. They had... The diagram showed, like, all these lines of fire in front of the bank. And mm-hmm. fucking, like, I don't know, ten cop cars. It was, like... 60 cop cars and all that were involved and you know two guys per the SWAT team came eventually the the cops didn't have the fucking firepower to deal with these dudes so right. they weren't even trying to return in fire fact, at that, some point that entire thing there was one guy that had an M that that thought to grab the M16 the one M16 in the one station they actually went to a fucking gun store and got like, they had, like, AR-15s or something. They got yeah. from a gun store. They're like, give us fucking 5 The gun store guy was probably like, yeah, what the fuck is going on over there? So these dudes shot, like, I don't know, 2,000 rounds, and they were fucking... They hurt a lot of cops. They didn't kill anyone. Right, which is but amazing. But they fucked a lot of shit up, because they yeah. had... They made their own body armor, which lasted for a long time until these dudes got fucking totally toasted. It was quite the fucking situation by these two fucking guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really insane, and it was... Um, they thought they were going to get a vault for like 750 grand is what they were getting. But something happened. The rules changed. They couldn't get into the ATM machine. There wasn't as much money in the vault. It was like 300 grand, but there was three packs. Three, uh, what do they call those things? Those bank packs that blow up? Um, yeah, whatever. They're, the, they got the, like the blue ink in them. Yeah, ink packs maybe. I guess yeah, they're whatever they're called. Yeah. All the money was fucking destroyed. And the dude shot into the vault. He got pissed when the bank manager told him he didn't have... Um, there wasn't enough money in there. Right. And he fucking shot into the vault with these high-powered guns and l- ruined a lot of the money. Um, you can't Fuck you can't it. use a, a hundred-dollar bill that's got a hole in it. <laughs> I don't know that they were like holes, dude. I think these guns were like they. Sh- I saw a picture. Whatever the gun that they the big gun that they had, it was like a 
KH fucking whatever. I saw a picture of the cartridge next to a double A fucking battery. Mm-hmm. The you know the cartridge part, and then there's like the bullets. The bullet it. fits down into that. Yeah. I mean, you could have put the double A battery into the fucking cartridge. It takes two double A's. And they were firing like fucking thousands of these fucking rounds. Yeah, it was in. It was really insane how much how much gun how many guns they had. And at one point, they were supposed to like dip out of their car, and then they had a Camaro that was all set up as like their next getaway car. Like they would ditch their van and get in the Camaro. They had but a they Chevy were, Celebrity, I believe, was the was the original getaway car. Yeah. Maybe they were going to go to, and Camaro. then they were going to get into a Camaro. And their fi- their final getaway car was the Camaro. But they like, but because everything got fucked up and they were being chased. Right because from the fucking cops happened to drive by and saw these dudes there. in homemade fucking body armor <laughs> walking out. Is that guy wearing frying pans? <laughs> the fuck is going on out here? So. Yeah, hey, dude, I really want to find that. Now, that's so funny that I, I probably listened to that episode maybe. That's so funny. The dollop would probably. I'm definitely going to listen to that episode. That's why I'm trying I to. Though, the as side. we're talking about it right now, I'm trying to find that. I totally went into like a 45 minute rabbit hole looking at like, who was that? What was that? Like the cops were like, okay, time out, people. Now that this is over, we need to fucking reevaluate. We had like revolvers. Yeah. There are people in LA County that have fucking shaved. Automatic, fucking primed with like tons of ammo. These dudes had military canteens that were like on their person so they could have the fucking extra, you know, high round fucking magazines. Yeah, it was because of them that the the militarization of police, the police yeah. specifically in uh, L.A. in the yeah. L.A. area, is because of this incident. The, the police realized that at any given point, that we're going to be at, we're we're outgunned by civilians who decide at any point to to do something like this. So yeah, it was like one guy at one point turned around the whole thing because he, he was leaving his he was leaving the station, and then there was a, there was a one M16 in the station, and he knew about it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to take that, and he took it with him, and it was the only like high powered gun that they had between all of them. Yeah. And it was like they were all they were like behind cars at one point and the guys are just unloading up. And he at fired. one point the cop said to the other cops like on the radio, "Don't even pursue their fucking car because we don't they're going to fucking shred people." So they were hiding behind the cop cars. They had shit barricaded. The SWAT team finally came in like that big tank thing and they mm-hmm. had some shit to equip to deal with it. But they had to go get AR-15s from a fucking gun store in the middle of this thing. Um, so if you... if The, the narco the, shootout. Okay, the narco shootout, I think they said happened in 1980, but I believe they did do... Yeah, episode 183, they did the narco shootout from 1980. Okay. But the dollop episode 42 did a kind of like all these different LAPD, like hardcore criminal uh, incidents. Right. And they mentioned this North Hollywood shootout thing yeah um so that would probably be worth listening to i think episode 42 it sounds like the 183 is one i'll listen to too the north that one was pretty exciting it was a good one so that's the north hollywood shootout and march 24th the oscars are out the picture of the year in 1997 was the english patient i'm guessing you've probably never seen the english patient you would guess right it was a chick flick and a half ray fiends plays a guy who's burned badly in world war ii and he can't remember how he got to be where he is. So Juliette Binoche so who is like his his nurse and then a couple other guys come in. She's she has like a little thing going with one of the other guys and then Ray Fiennes remembers he had an affair with this guy who or with this this guy's wife, sorry. And then she broke it off cuz she didn't want her husband to find out. Her husband did find out and then it turns out like a murder suicide. Perfect for her. 
perfect. This guy doesn't remember anything. <laughs> it, was, it was total chick flick, but it won Picture of the Year. Um, and on the same day, March 24th, started something more interesting to me. The Heaven's Gate cult. Started? Suicide started. Oh, the suicide. That's when they were like, all right, guys, TikTok, here we go. So they're in this $7,000 a month kick-ass home in San Diego, just mm-hmm. above San Diego. Like yeah, but there's like 30 of them in there, so it's not like it's... 39. Yeah, there's 39 in seven. That's not like... So on the 24th, the first... Splitting the rent seven, 39 <laughs> different ways. It's not... The split in 39 ways, right. The So 15 people kill themselves on the 24th, then 15 on the 25th, and then Marshall Applegate... Six people, then Marshall Applegate, then the last two, these women that were like... they like The 15 people, they killed them. Remember, they had the Nike shoes on. They each had $5 and three quarters in their pocket, which was their fare, mm-hmm. to get on the Hale-Bopp Comet, which was passing by. Yeah. And they were trying to go to the, you know, Heaven's Gate, whatever. And what's funny is I remember the the Hale-Bopp Comet just... In, in I just remember being a, a young kid. My dad saying, "Hey, there it is." Let's oh, it was a big deal in its own right. Let's go outside and see it, and we saw it, and I, that was it. Yeah, not knowing that there was people, thirty nine blue tracksuits. They had applesauce and phenyl barb- phenyl barbital, the same shit those guys use. Interesting. Big year for phenyl barbital. <laughs> big name and applesauce <laughs> and vodka and. Bam! Everybody died. That's a good, nice way to go out. And then the cops went in and found it. That house became such a source of uh, difficulty for the people that lived around there because there was so much media attention and people trying to get in. The neighborhood got together. This is a rich ass neighborhood with these are like million dollars. And they houses. just walled it off. And the guy, nope, the guy bought it for a million four, one point four. He was renting it out and then he foreclosed on it. This guy was like a fucking. I I tried to look the guy up, but I couldn't find anything good on him. But so it was getting foreclosed on. This happens. He's gone. The neighbors are like, what the fuck? They're all living in million-dollar houses. They went, let's pool our money. They bought it off foreclosure and then leveled the fucking thing and then put up a fence around it. Just to, So it's an empty plot of land It the was. Fence. Since then, it's a newer, bigger 9,200-square-foot house is put up. But, of course, the property value is like half of what it should be. Because they got to disclose that yeah. shit. This is the same price. It's not the same house, but it is the, the same The Realtors Association property. said... I gotta disclose Legally, this. I have to disclose to you 39 people to die on this property. Anyway, legally, on. we do have to sit here and watch Poltergeist 1 and 2. So just sit back. I'll make some popcorn. They're and then we here. can sign. Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. That little old lady is the most terrifying part of the entire of no all shit. Of those movies. Dude, so I'm so glad you said that because do you remember Tales from the Crypt, the HBO show that was on like in the 90s? I mean, yeah, with like the... The puppet that the would crypt- sit there. <laughs> crypt keeper? Yeah. yeah. I just watched that intro. I don't know why. It came across my YouTube thing. I remember the camera went into the house. Th- that had some creepy shit going on. And there was one where I can't remember who the guy was. I want to say it was... Um, uh, Robert Stack. John Malkovich. Okay. John Malkovich was a failing radio psychiatrist guy. And to get his ratings up, he was going to go to someone's house. And it, that lady, the fucking that little... Was the mi- lady? She called and she said, "My kids are a real problem." And he was he was the he was like the ch- uh, the parent helper on the radio. He's like, "I can help you with your kids. You people don't know what you're doing. I can explain it." And so this lady said, "My son, my kid is a real fucking problem." And he goes to the house and it's her. So you're already creeped out because Uh-oh. she's just fucking creepy after being just... in that. And it turned out the kid was like running around upstairs and he was like, "What's the deal?" 
She's like, I can't control my kid at all. Like, this is out of control. And he ends up going upstairs and keeps getting locked into, like, smaller parts of the house. And then he's up there, and they did a good job of, like, getting the hairs in the back of your neck up. And then you just hear, like, all right. And then you see the kid, the first time you see the kid running by, the kid has a fucking faceless uh, porcelain fucking mask on. Mm-hmm. That, that just cre- They did yeah. a really good job. Because nothing is creepier than a fucking faceless mask on someone that's like... But it, but it is still a kid. It's still a kid. And you are a grown human and you... St- I think he got killed because the thing was like... I forget exactly Skittering. what it was. It was definitely... It stayed with me. I, I saw is, that fucking 25 years ago. For you can't be afraid of a kid though. You shouldn't be. It is a you kid. You can, but you shouldn't be. You just put your leg out. You just use your legs. <laughs> you just use your legs. You just use your legs. You just reach out. Whatever weapon they have, they can't reach you. You just throw them. Uh, so another couple of quick ones. Uh, May 2nd, Tony Blair becomes the Prime Minister of England. That was kind of a big deal because he was kind of like the people's, the Labour Party guy, you know. Went from like stuffy to Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Like I, I remember that because that, that was kind of when I came around voting age. <laughs> they were drinking beers, getting their dicks sucked. They together, were like, you know, well, they were, just, they were just like men of the people type guys. I'm not going into the George W. Bush bullshit, but they were not, you know, the... What do you want? Like the aristocracy, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. But we are... That's foreshadowed because there is going to be some aristocracy here coming up. Uh, 5.11. This was a big story. IBM's deep blue computer did what? Beat Bobby Fischer. Not Bobby Fischer, but yes. Gary Kasparov, the first world champion in chess ever to be... I think they call him like Grandmaster. They have all these fucking names. For, I mean, they're really good at chess. They're first time a computer beat one. Yeah. yeah. Like they can see, obviously, 10,000 moves ahead... And it's not even it's beating. it's not seeing ahead, it's memory. When it comes to being a master chess player, it's memory. It's that you have every single move of every chess game memorized up to a certain place. Yeah. So up to like the 30th move, there's nothing there's no combination. But there is a big element of seeing ahead because you gotta know right, once but, this happens. So it's it's I'm telling this you, is what you're looking but it for. It comes from memory. So in other words, when you look at the board, there is no up to like the 30th move. There is no move that that you there is no board position that you haven't seen. So you know, at, at this board position, sure, I, I know that this guy was in this position at this time, this time, this time. This is what these different people did. So I know that he can do these different things. It's all just at that point, though. Like I said, there is you have to be able to see ahead and go. If I do this, he's gonna A, B, C, or D. Right. If if he does A, then these are the things I can do. If he does B, I, but so I you think do have to calculate out. Right. Even still, like I just think it's more like it's more incredible to me that they're memorizing how many permutations that that board can have up to the thirtieth move, which is like millions of, pl- of different combinations the board can be in. It definitely takes a level of discipline and and concentration that you know, and and just like you said, brute force, just memorizing shit and just knowing the you know the different openings and all that you know but it makes sense that a computer would eventually beat a person it happened in may of 1997 june 26th this happened earlier than i thought harry potter in the philosopher's stone is published first harry potter novel 97 and actually i feel like if you would if you would have asked me when it got published i would have assumed a few years earlier than that because i was in um, I was in elementary school, and our library school teacher, this was in New Mexico, read, was reading the book to, like, we all got into our library class, like, you'd go to the library for that class, and um, she pulled out Harry Potter and was reading it to the class, 
And I remember I told my mom and my mom wouldn't let me be there when she was reading Harry Potter. So the next time she started reading Harry Potter, I had to leave the classroom. Because and your mother is a witch. And she, and didn't, she want didn't want everyone else to find it. Yeah, she was like, they're, they're muddling it. You don't know what it's really like. You're learning all your witch I'll be laughed out of the witch, the witch parties. Dude, at that time, we were also reading the Bible nightly. Every night we Your would, family was? Uh, yeah. or, or at school? No, yeah, just my family. We would all sit down, me and my sisters and my mom, we'd sit down and we would read the to each other from the Bible. Well, that explains a lot. Uh, J- July 4th, <laughs> Pathfinder, NASA's Pathfinder lands on Mars. That's interesting. I didn't realize back in 1997 we already had shit landing on Mars. Then I read into it in... It, that was launched December 4th, 1996, and it landed on Mars July 4th, 1997. So what is that? Seven months, almost. Six months. Seven it's months. about the whole, yeah. So that's how long it takes to get shit to, to Mars. We could probably do it faster now, I guess. Um, but in 1976, that was when we first landed shit on Mars. Did you know that? I didn't know that. We landed the Viking probe, landed on fucking Mars in 1976. I didn't, no, I didn't know I that. I didn't fucking know that either. I, I knew we had shit on Mars. I didn't know 40-some-odd years ago. So that's kind of crazy. I don't know. That thing landed on... Uh, in 76, honestly, I mean, that could have been... Uh, yeah, we landed something on Mars. Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, we aimed it. it at Mars. I mean, it probably... We fucking landed at Mars. Yeah, here's some pictures. <laughs> uh, July 15th, a very famous guy, Gianni Versace, mm-hmm. shot to death by a crazed delusional fan slash crazy person generally killed several other people and then killed himself like a month later. Gianni Versace had no kids. He left most of his fortune, which was sizable, to Sounds like a, a nursery rhyme that you're about to do. Gianni Versace had no kids, left most of his fortune to his shot to death at the pool. Ooh shit. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know. He's like a big name. Versace. Everyone knows Versace. And I forget what the girl's name is. She's super famous. The daughter. Oh, mm-hmm. the niece. Because he definitely didn't have any kids, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, his niece don't. got half the money. <laughs> um, this is this was another one that was interesting to me. And this lady has been talked about in our past episodes. Uh, August 4th, 1997. Jean Calment dies in Arles, France. The oldest official person. The oldest living official person. Uh, she was 122 years and 164 days old when she died. Mm-hmm. We brought her up a while back because I thought it was funny that at age like 90, she entered this super cushy deal with some guy because she had a really good apartment in in downtown Paris. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, this lady's like 90. I'm going to do like a reverse mortgage type of fucking thing and get her out of her apartment. I'll right. be in there. She's 90. She's going to be gone. He died well before she fucking died. And yep. She was still living in she that fucking apartment. She fucking beat his ass out. That's probably, what, that's probably what made her live so long. That is like the cynic person would say, that's what kept that bitch going. That's what it is. What kept she, she had something to live for. <laughs> and then August 31st, 97. This is the last 1997 year thing that I'll do. Diana of Wales, Princess Diana, dies in a... This is kind of a big deal thing. You probably remember this. Mm-hmm. She's being chased in a Paris tunnel by paparazzi, by paparazzi. who did never got face charges because the driver who died and her, she died and the other guy's name was Dodie, whatever he died. There was another guy in the car, the bodyguard. He lived, but the other three died and the driver was like hepped up on fucking pills and he was drunk, so that's why they didn't press charges. On they the got fucking. different rules over there. Well, 
Yeah, there you go. And um, she had married Prince Charles. I always thought she was like a 20-year-old... She was a 20-year-old kindergarten teacher, but I just thought she was like just some woman and he bumped into her and got married. But she was like aristocracy prior. She wasn't mm-hmm. like just common. Not like the, what they're doing now. I don't know. I, I The Kate Middleton, was she just... Like some some lady he bumped into at a club or something. I think it it's I mean, I've heard a bunch of stuff back and forth about the kind of shit that you, she used to do and uh, stripper about her yeah something crazy like that and like her dad is just like a real bum who's been a problem the whole time. So that's interesting. That was not yeah. Diana's story. Like her family was aristocracy. Yeah. Just you know, obviously they the were probably connected. Yeah, they were way up. I'm sure she was probably like yeah, some his dude dad was or whatever exactly. Like way his down dad was already the. Some low-level right. fucking post. Uh, but the, And they got married in 1981, and they got divorced in 96 because they were both fucking around. And then she died the next year. And she's the mother of the two famous little princes right now, Charles. Prince William and Prince Harry. Prince Harry. And I think Harry's the one that married... Kate. Kate, right? That's kind of a big deal in People Magazine right now. So... Uh, Woody in 97, by the way. Woody Harrelson. We've got to do in 97. Touch on Woody Harrelson. He was nominated for Best Actor. He didn't win it. But nominated for Best Actor because he played Larry Flint in The People vs. Larry Flint. Did you ever see that? No. That's a pretty good movie. You know who Larry Flint was? Uh, The guy who started Hustler Magazine. Okay. It was a pretty good movie. I think um, Courtney Love played the love interest in it. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair because he got shot. Because people... Larry like, Flint was? Yeah. Larry, the real Larry Flint was shot because fucking Christian fundamentalists don't like being able to see the... So much so that they would commit... They would, com- they would commit another... They would commit another heinous, immoral act because of that. Wanted, yeah. right, to cover up another heinous, immoral... To, to vindicate another heinous... Heinous! Top I don't even like the word. Top show of 1997. Too much like Not much has changed. Seinfeld is the number one show. ER is right there. Clooney and Still Seinfeld. Neck and neck all throughout the 90s. It. Yeah, nothing like jumps out at me about, uh, you know, 60 Minutes and the Two Days. Oddly enough, never a crossover episode. Oddly enough, never a crossover episode. King of the Hill was on the list, but I don't know if that started in 97. I think that started before 97. Not much. Oh, really? Not much. Okay. It was definitely right in there, the meat of the 90s, so 96, 97, I would say, when it started. I know you're a big uh, Hank Hill guy, so when I see King of the Hill, i got to mention Very n- narrow urethra. <laughs> narrow urethra. It's the most normal show on television, animated or otherwise. Like, the if you turned it into... most normal. Yeah, like, if you turned it into a live-action show, it would be the most un- irremarkable sitcom ever. That's what's so fantastic about it, dude. It's just like it's so ultra normal, but he animated it. Usually you animate things so you can like bonk it on the head and toss it off a cliff without it dying. But in this show, it's just like it's fucking just so mundane and white bread. Ah, it's perfect. Speaking of mundane and white bread, big song from 1997, the group Hanson had the 12th Mm-bop. biggest. Yes, Mbop. You were probably an Mbopper. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it more of a, I, I'm more of a uh, Hanson Christmas album fan. But, uh, Hanson Christmas. The top song of the year very was Christmas. the song that was related to Princess Diana dying in a tunnel. The Something About the Way You Look slash Candle in the Wind medley that Elton John did hmm. for Princess Diana. 
uh, Sir Jewel Elton John. Was Sir. Sir Elton John, that's right. Jewel had a song up there. Jewel was kind of cool. She was billed as, like, in the beginning, living in a van in, in Alaska while she... Down by the river! While she opened my her craft, ostensibly down by the river. Um, no great songs. I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly was a big song up there. Uh, the Spice Girls, Wannabe, came out in uh, 1997. That was the 10th biggest song. I see the Backstreet Boys are there. Nothing really. That is that our is that have have we ninety seven ourselves out? I think we've ninety seven ourselves. I think we've ninety. I, I mean that was a good ninety seven for me. There we go. Onward and upward. Do you want to walk in the park but don't have a reason to? Dick Diamonds used pet sales. I've got dogs, cats, horses. Once we even had a giraffe. Stop by Dick Diamond's used pet sales. Our pets are cheap and reliable, and all our pets are just like new and gently used. We got a hamster for my son, Timmy, and it lived for six months. It only died because it was eaten by our cat that we also got from Dick. What's really sad is that the cat choked to death on the hamster. Timmy was hysterical. Thankfully, we got the diamond warranty plant, and Dick set us up with a replacement gerbil and parrot in no time. Don't spend top dollar for new pets. I've got perfectly good ones right here. Dick Diamond's used pet sales. Millennial Book Club. Millennial Book Club. Messy ballet car. I mean, we're not even not even trying out here anymore. This is the Millennial Book Club segment, the segment where we just talk about Netflix originals only on Netflix, and we give you the assignment, and then you listen to it, or you sorry, you watch it throughout the week, and then you jump on the show and you uh, you compare your thoughts with ours like a book club. And if you ever want to send any of your thoughts to us, you can do that. Send it to roadsodamail at gmail.com. Again, that's roadsodamail at gmail.com. And we love hearing from you and reading your mail and uh, telling everybody what you think. I love reading people's mail. Oh, yeah. Opening it and getting in bills and stuff. Like right? my neighbors and shit? Nothing oh, yeah. safe, dude. They run to their fucking boxes. They better. They So this week it was easy. And easy season easy. three season three of easy and i think you had the blurb brought up so you can easy is an american comedy drama anthology series written directed and edited and produced by joe swanberg 25 half hour episodes seemed like they were longer than a half hour bullshit i'm calling bullshit on that yeah it just seemed like, like they dragged hour. on forever dude the one with the people in the open marriage they were mm -hmm. like drainingly long and like Sometimes, like I, I was like in disbelief as they were, I was like, "Are they really trying to fucking tell me this is a conversation that people would have in a fucking open?" It just seemed way too fucking contrived for me, dude. It did. Um, you know, I, I kind of. There's so many people in this day and age where it's like 2018, and anything can happen. It's a big city. Gender I'm, fluid, relationship fluid. Everything's fluid. Everything's here and there. And you know if that's the way they are comfortable and they're doing it. I was, I thought it was believable, uh, but it was still just kind of. 
I don't know. Uh, it would, like I say, I say this a lot with a lot of different things. It was well made. It was well done. In fact, the the guy that was acting in that, the um, open marriage husband, yeah, Michael Chernis. He's actually a re- he was a great actor. I kept thinking that I was like, this guy is doing really well at relaying the emotions that he's feeling. And everything he's 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 doing good at acting, but the whole time I'm like, God, this boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what Isaiah thinks about all this fucking super contrived Upper West Side so white people problem. In you the, know. It was all, it all I want to have sex with you, but I love her and I really need to unpack this. It's like, oh, fuck you, dude. If that was really your wife, she would have fucking hit you in the face 10 seconds into your fucking 11 minute speech about what is really important. And I don't think I could back out of fuck that shit. And he's talking about how he himself is an actor. And I'm trying to think, I'm like, is that what your job is? Because you've got a real, it shows him at one point, like in a coffee shop working on a play. And then he's got a lot of free time on his hand, it seems. And, but they live in like a really nice place. And I think they have kids because they she have babies. She makes the dough. She's Clearly. got the fucking real nine to five in that, Clearly. Gig, in that gig. And he's like, and he's got an open relationship going. He doesn't have to do anything. And he's like, this guy is making his cake. He's eating his cake. He's throwing his cake in other people's faces. And then he's crying about it. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. He wants it all and he's eating it and he's pissed about it. That guy, Michael Chernis, I don't know if you know who he is or if you have you seen him anything else? No, he, he was very unfamiliar. To there me. was a movie I saw that came out last year. I saw in uh, like on Netflix with Maggie Gyllenhaal. It was called The Kindergarten Teacher. I don't know what possessed me to watch the fucking movie. I liked it, though. I got it mixed up with the one about the cop. I thought it was and, Kindergarten uh, Cop. It was The Kindergarten <laughs> Teacher. No, the movie is kind of funny. She plays a kindergarten teacher and this little kid. She's at like a like the type of school where like a bunch of nannies bring all the kids in in like downtown New York or whatever. Like a nice part of New York. And this kid, she she's an aspiring amateur poet, by the way. That's critical to the movie. Mm-hmm. She's a kindergarten teacher, does her poetry at night. She's in like a poetry class with this teacher who's like the, you know, the fuckable, soft-hearted poetry fucking guy. And this little kid in her class comes up to her and says something. Or she he doesn't even say it to her. He just is like muttering and he like... She takes it for like a fucking haiku. She's like, what did he just say? we got to take notes. So now everything this little kid says, she brings to her poetry class and passes it off on her own. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, they start off in the class and they're like, <laughs> everything you do is so uninspired and you're just so shitty. Just shut up, please. Someone else. But now she's ripping off this kid. She's, she's a genius. She's the kid and she goes all the way to the edge with it. The reason I bring it up is because Michael Chernis was her husband. Mm-hmm. So not only... I'm spoiling the fucking kindergarten teacher. Not only does she take this kid's stuff as her own, but she gets into a thing with the teacher. And so he's like the cuckold. And he's just like the guy that's just sitting there. And she's doing what... you know. She's unhappy. That's on him. She's not getting laid. That's on him. She really wants to fucking help this kid out. That's on him. She's fucking the poetry. He's just like the... So it's then the he, worst situation. Now so then he this saw thing. this role, and he's like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, well, actually, that was in 2018, so this started before that. Mm-hmm. So, But I saw that first, so I'm thinking of him as that guy, because mm-hmm. you know how it is. You kind of put actors into the roles you that you him. think of them. Yeah. That's kind of what they are until they do something different and break out of it. And so I'm like, right off the bat, I'm like, I'm not believing that this guy's banging that lady, first off, and then holding it down all over town, and he's like fucking fucking all over the place. I just had a hard time believing that with that guy. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as far as him, like, getting dates on Tinder and stuff like that, 
I was a little like, ah. Tinder is so... You're just like, oh, it's that easy, huh? Just fucking swipe, swipe. And he's like, I got too many broads tonight. No, I'm I was like, not... what is it? What did he? What could he possibly post on Tinder? I'm a millionaire. Because honestly, <laughs> millionaire. you're not a good-looking fucking dude, dude. You, in order to get people to swipe like that on those apps, that are, you know, not things that should be that are not, that are not creatures of the night. You know, you, it's a very, very superficial apps. Those apps, like, because there's no personality. There's nothing involved. It's just. I look at your face, and if I don't like your face, I go to the next. Picture. I guess you have to kind of suspend disbelief, though, right? When you're watching a movie like of this, there, I think that's what they're trying to go for. We're looking at this guy, going, "No fucking way," but I suppose they're trying to say, "No, he's not this fucking pudgy guy with this big fucking mole thing right here and this old guy's haircut." He's, you know, let's let's move into the next one because this whole thing was like an <laughs> anthology. Yeah, and it's like each one is a different one. And Greg, I guess you said that it's kind of. Uh, like from the from season one, it, uh, yeah. following these people's stories. I think there's like a set. I don't even think I don't. I only watch. I watched like five, but I don't even know if I saw everyone's story. So this couple in the open relationship, that's what, what uh, season three starts out with. I bet you they must have been on a handful more because it was pretty fleshed out. Yeah, the, the certain things that they had you that you I, had to kind of. I didn't know. honestly. I, I I was with the idea the whole time that as I was watching it, like these are just one-off stories. Like it, it could seemed, either way. because each one, yeah, they really did seem like they worked that way. And I might be wrong. Maybe they started right there, and they but they were on like the fourth episode. So I the think, second too. one was that the surveillance surveillance one. Yes, love that guy. Love that guy. That's a real guy. That's definitely a fucking real guy. That yeah, that one the whole time. It was such a, a strange. It was a good story. I liked it because it was this story about a guy who he's just trying to do the best he can, right? He's kind of confident, but he's still he doesn't have a lot to back up the confidence. You see, he kind of works out. He kind of he's kind of acting like a cool guy, but he's not super cool. And uh, he's working at this surveillance place. They give him a job that's a little bigger than than he is, which was a place actually, that like which is interesting. I don't know if this is a real place that will like you go there to like buy cameras to install around your house for security yeah but then they also will like follow your ex husband but they're, or... so they were a PI as well so they're also they a PI. private investigating place so it's just that all encompassing you can come here we can help out with every, with all your private investigator matters and so the guy that's like the which head... is nice because I have to go to two different places my private investigative shit that's actually the name it's across town and then I gotta go to Best Buy this would be nice if it was all together that's actually the name of their business it's Surveillance Inspector <laughs> People don't really get it, but once they get in the door, then they know what's going on. They did a good job with that one right off the bat, telling you what the situation. And I think this summed that guy up so quickly. They show him, like doing like you know, people are asking the same fucking questions about what does this, what about this camera? What do I want? Da, da, da. Then five seconds later, he's calling to confirm a date on. Hey, uh, I'm just confirming our date on Fit Singles, mm-hmm. and you know he's like a he's not in bad shape, but he's not in great shape either. He's kind of like a skinny yeah. type of dude that would be doing the martial arts. Shit he's got like a little man bun kind of thing. He's got a little on. man bun going on. Yeah. And, but he's, he's, he's definitely not working out mm-hmm. and he's on the phone confirming with fit singles in the first date. He's with like this fucking ripped like Broad. muscle fucking lady. Mm-hmm. And she just like laughing at him. She's like, I don't think we'll date. And again, he's like, but, but this was, that was after. And he's telling her that, uh, you know, He's a PI. He's a PI, yeah. Did that happen first? I think that happened after his date. You're right. You're I right. think that happened after his date. Because then he had counts. another date. Yeah, he yeah. had another date. where No, he would, He was just Yeah, he was just meeting up with somebody at a bar. 
and was immediately telling him that he's like, yeah, I'm basically a PI. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, if you want me to follow somebody, I'm following him. Like, he's now all Stick about it. Stick to him it. like glue, yeah. Yeah, because what happened was the uh, one day his manager comes to him and he's like, or who is the actual private investigator, he's, says, hey, I need you to watch this guy's house for me. You think you can do that? I need you to watch and if you know, he'll keep a log. And uh, whenever he leaves or something, just follow him. And uh, he just takes it, obviously. All the- I was waiting for him to, like, kill the guy or do something stupid. Like, go way overboard with it. I think because of what the show was, I knew that we were going to have... And it kind of worked out the way I thought. We were just getting a little cross-section or a couple of days of the guy's life. Mm-hmm. Nothing major happens. Although, it was kind of a big deal for him because he started doing more of the PI stuff. Yeah, and they, they brought him into the... Uh... But I, I think there was a couple things they did that really showed... Like that guy's life. Oh yeah, actually, the end of his story did have. Some I think the most telling shit. thing about the personality of this guy was he runs into a convenience store and he buys a code red. <laughs> I think that is the most. That is the most telling ass like thing about this guy because picture everybody in your entire fucking life who has ever bought a code red, who has ever drank code red over the age of twelve. Any human being. <laughs> I don't know anyone over the age of 12. (laughs) Anyone who drinks a Code Red is just like, there's something. He's a little off. I think that's the kind of thing. He's like, he's, he's trying, he's confident, but he's, you know, he's not. Well, that's what I was going to say is what, what the thing that really, besides that first thing where he's on the fit singles and like, he's talking to this lady. It's like, clearly this is not going to work out because she's like this muscle bound lady that's being an asshole to him because he's not, you know, the jacked dude that he was portraying on his thing. But later, he's talking to another lady, and he's telling her about the surveillance thing. He's like, yeah, I'm the guy that can find people. And she's like, oh, so you could, like, totally pervy stalk women that you meet? And he was like, uh-huh. uh, shit. Um, I mean, it, but not... it was like, it hit so hard on it. I was Because I wasn't thinking it when he was saying it, but when she said it, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, yeah. Broads would definitely be thinking that talking right. to this guy. And she's like, um, it was let's, just let's move on. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That was a fun one. But you see that... He relies so much on telling these people, like, you know, trying to bolster himself and whatnot. And I think it was a funny conundrum you find yourself at the very end. Because at one point, the private investigating thing gets to where he has to go to, like, some dominatrix kind of sex party. Yeah. And... They have to catch a cheating husband at, like, a BDSM party. Right. And he's like, BDSM? Yeah. Bondage? Dildos? And masochism. Yeah. I I know what it is. (laughs) I've always wanted to... (laughs) Always wanted to get into something like this. And you're like, are you talking about the investigating thing or do you want to get beaten? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> uh, but then he actually uh, gets that lady's number that was like the host of the party. And she they, they meet up and she's like, so how do you know so-and-so? And oh, that's like, right. That's how they ended it. That was kind yeah, of He's like, so how does he, how do we talk about what he does now? Huh? Yeah. That's like his thing. His thing is trying to talk about what he does. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we infiltrated you freak shows. So, and then the third one was, what was the third one? Because I saw... The third one was uh, about... Was it Marin? No, it was this... The women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was this this, uh, female couple, and uh, they they break up. One of them doesn't want to sign the lease anymore, which takes that as like, okay, I guess we're, you know, the lease lease agreement is, is up, and we're done, and I guess that means we're done, and so they move apart, and... It's just a really kind of realistic story about how a couple might break up and then find themselves back together again. <laughs> I think that was the gist, right? The girl that wanted to break up 
went out and sowed her oats and fucked around and was having a fun time. Yep. The other one sat at home depressed and then she ended up finding somebody finding who was like some. really good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then, but then the other one came back and then it was like, well, I guess I'm here. And that's always the conundrum. Go with the new thing or stay with the old thing. Right. Well, in that situation, we'll never know. Maybe season four we'll find out what happened. There was a... So then there was the one with Marin, which was... Because I just... There was a couple that I, I did really like. The one with Marin is he is a professor at a college. And a girl that was a student from a long time ago came out with a book. And he was Marin, like super neurotic. Like exact. He only plays one character play, himself. Hey, call it Marin. We need Marin. Yeah, exactly. So he's like the professor that a book is coming out and it's going to hurt him because his agent said we've seen advanced stuff it's bad it makes you look like a fucking the guy that fucked his student and you're an asshole Mm -hmm. so the whole thing he's got his a girl that he's like known for a long time but hasn't slept with because that's the whole thing is this is an anthology about like the relationship so they're putting this frame device in about some issue in their life but the whole time that lady is like within five feet of him and they're talking the whole time and he's a hundred miles an hour about his thing and she's just sitting there like then they fuck and he's still 100 miles an hour about this thing. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, I'm sitting here. Like, we, we had this long thing and everything is now moving to the next level. That's all you can talk about is this. They have like a little fucking issue. He meets the girl that wrote the thing about him. And he says, you know what? You're right. I guess I wasn't thinking about it the way it was. He was like, I didn't want to like just fuck you and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. He was like, but then once I did fuck you, things got weird and I couldn't see your art the way it was. He was like an art professor. That's what it was. So... He like brought her in by being like, "Oh, I love your stuff. I think we're gonna, I'm gonna introduce you to some people. Things are gonna be great." She was married, so and then she sleeps with him, and then he immediately feels weird after, and he's like, "I don't know. There was distance. I, I didn't know you were married or whatever the deal was." And then I, I backed off not because like I wanted a conquest, and she was like, "Well, what the fuck? You told me all this stuff was gonna happen. I pretty much left my husband, and then you're gone." Mm-hmm. So she wrote it in this book. It was a it was a graphic novel. That was her thing. Right, right. And I don't know. I liked that one. It was all right. But the next one after that was really interesting. It was about a guy. It was less about the relationship and more about, I think, like just having a scrap in New York City. He was a guy. You know those people that sell like glow sticks and shit at events? Mm-hmm. They got like a cart and they're like, if you got kids, they're your worst nightmare. Because like, come here, kids. Check it out. I got the swords. I got the thing. You want this? Hey, go tell your dad. There's only tip. Hey, two for ten dollars. I got it. What does your dad suck? Come on, kid. Yeah, right. And he was really good at it. It's like barking, except you're not selling tickets. You're selling fucking bullshit. That's right. It's like the most garbage shit. But you know those dudes make a lot of money. So the dude's whole thing was he wanted to break off of the guy that he worked under. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey man, you got to do like a better split. Then he went to the store where the guy sells all that shit. And he was like, come on, give me an account. I want to do it. And he does all this thing and he goes and recruits his own guy. Then at the end of the day, he's like, I think the comment was. He put so much of his energy, his total pool of energy, into being the fucking dude that can make this shit work. He doesn't have anything left for his life. They go to a strip club, and like he, he's like, bang, you know, a guy like that, you imagine, is pretty hand-to-mouth. Like, mm-hmm. we made 800 bucks today. We can go buy 400 bucks more worth of glow sticks, turn that into 800 bucks, and da-da. They go to the strip club, and he just goes fucking shithouse. And he, like, mm-hmm. fucks a stripper, and he's like... The whole time, he's got this big, fat wad of ones, and he's just fucking throwing them. And the dude that he just brought on, like, left his job at the car wash to work with him. He's like, dude, what are you doing, man? We're not going to have no money for fucking... He's like, hey, man, don't even worry about it. Look at these fucking girls. And, of course, 
he's throwing the money around and these strippers are just fucking magnetized to him. <laughs> and then he wakes up in the morning, he's like, shit, I ain't got no money. Now he's going to go to the, the store with the, the Asian dude that runs the thing. He's like, let me get a credit, man. I'm not giving you no glow sticks. And the cops are always, because those dudes are all unlicensed, so the cops are always like, the fuck out of there. Like, oh shit, clean all this shit up, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then, so at this moment, he has to give up his necklace, his big fat gold chain, to get the dude to give him the day's glow sticks. And he's like, fuck it, I just got another mountain to climb. But as he's doing it, the cops come, and the cops are extra hard, and they're like, dude, you just lost all this shit. I'm sick of seeing you. And he's like, fuck. You know? Mm-hmm. So then he has to just... So I don't know. I really liked that one. That one was worth watching, but it wasn't so much about the relationships as the other ones, other than they were saying, sometimes you can put too much into your fucking work and not... Or maybe just... Sometimes life can be so consuming that you don't have time for that shit. That right. that open marriage couple was the other end, where you're like, where the fuck do these people have time to work and make all this money and do shit... It seems like every five minutes they're having a ten-minute conversation about the philosophy of fucking whatever. Right. All these weird things that just I don't think normal people get a chance. And then to you even have this guy into. on the other side that's just grinding so hard he gets one chance to go to some place and he blows everything and then he's. And you could tell every time he goes to the strip club, it's all fucking gone. Mm-hmm. Because what else are you gonna do, man? You I got fuck- an addiction. I got a bad strip club addiction. I don't even think they were trying to say that. I think they were just trying to say like. You know, if you put so much, I think it happens in a lot of world. In a lot of worlds, like you'd be a stockbroker, you work ninety five hours a week, you make a bad decision because you're like, oh yeah, I really do want to fuck something right now. The opportunity presents itself, bad decision. Right. As opposed to someone who's got like a fucking healthy <clears throat> balance between their work and the rest of their life, you know. And then, I don't know, maybe the maybe the open marriage couple is too far on the other side, and this guy was on the. I think it was a definite, the whole thing, I mean, I didn't get to see that one, but from what I saw, it was a great cross-section on just relationships in general and how that kind of stuff works, and I think that's maybe what the whole thing is, when it's called easy, right? Right. Um, maybe what, maybe not to say it's not easy to... Or maybe it is in some cases. It. I don't know. Whatever they're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. It's a loaded word. What, what? Where would you rate this? Uh, I would watch it if it's there. It's fun. I, I can tell you right now. And, and I've, I was just thinking about this this week, too, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were. With the NBC, I feel like we are introducing ourselves to stuff that we maybe wouldn't normally watch. Mm-hmm. But I, then I feel like we just move on. And there's some things like that anthology of cartoons that we watched. Um, it had like the werewolves that were like yeah, in the no, desert. Yeah, about the I mean, I, love, I, love uh, robots and whatever. Love, love death and robots, maybe? Yeah. I, why I, why didn't I watch the other five of those? I want to go hunt those down. Maybe just a time thing, but yeah. it's still there. It's still awesome to go back. It was a you know fun thing to watch. I just I feel like I've half watched more shit in the last year mm-hmm. than like the rest of my life because I'm usually the guy where I'll watch like an hour and be like fuck this, mm-hmm. or I'm watching them all. I'm a finisher. I'm a finisher. Where I watch a bunch of not like The Office with fucking nine seasons, but the type of stuff we're watching is like finishable mm-hmm. in a reasonable amount of time. But we're like moving on. I feel like I got a backlog of shit that I gotta go. Uh-oh. Catch up on. Well, it's never going to stop. I'll watch a bunch of these. I think I'll watch a bunch of these because it was fun to watch. Well, I thought it was fun to watch too. Again, uh, it's not really in my wheelhouse. I think I'd put it in the same place. Watch it if it's there. It was entertaining. It was a good piece of film. Good piece of work, I guess you want to call it. What are we going to watch in the next one? You chose this one. I think... No, you didn't specifically choose it, but you you mentioned it. I think I brought it up and you were on board so heavily, so quick. It was like, bam, let's do it. It's Anima, the movie by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's a short. It's a 15-minute, I suppose, like a glorified music video for uh, Radiohead's new album, I believe, of the same name. 
and I think Tom York, the lead singer of Radiohead, plays prominently in it. But yeah, it is he the lead you know. singer? You know, I don't even know this. I feel like an idiot. Is Tom York Radiohead, or is he the lead singer of Radiohead? Are there other? I mean, I dude, I really couldn't tell you, and it's kind of embarrassing. I think to I'm say a huge that. Radiohead guy too, man. Uh, OK but, uh, Computer is one of those albums that I listen to front to back thousands of fucking times. Damn. It's a in a short musical film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, Tom York of Radiohead stars in a mind-bending visual piece. Best played loud. Yeah, it's a it's uh, only 15 minutes long, <clears throat> so be sure to watch that one. I think, I think we're going to I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it and it's not something we've kind of done before, so that'll be even cooler. And if you want to comment or you know, tell us your thoughts on either what we talked about today or any other time or uh, about Anima when you watch it, send that shit to roadsodamail at gmail.com. And when you do that, uh, we will send you a, uh, a postcard, a very special Millennial Book Club postcard. So go ahead and, and write your reviews to us. That would be awesome. And we'll catch you on the next one for Anima. Anima. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Aphrodite Squirt. Aphrodite Squirt, the world's best shampoo. But don't call it shampoo. Seriously, the shampoo board has taken issue with some of our claims. They don't have the balls to mix up such a potent cocktail for your hair. Aphrodite Squirt will make your hair so lustrous, he'll want to fuck it. And with all that added volume, he can. We farm purebred albino Himalayan dwarf hamsters. And they only eat the finest tobacco and caviar. We harvest their raw essence and Scandinavian rodent saunas. That is just one of the many ingredients that will make you better than everyone. Aphrodite Squirt. It, it will, will change your fucking life. A Popco brand. We have a very special... Uh, thing coming up right now where we we have an interview as you can see on this episode we have an interview uh we just put it together um over the week it wasn't something we knew like we've actually tried to get this guy on months ago months ago yeah i asked him it didn't uh it didn't work out with the schedules and then i asked him again and it was the same thing it was a back and forth and but this time around we were able to schedule it everything worked out he was stateside dan frigolette who is a comedian, that's all I've ever known him as, and he was a comedian that I met when I was living in New York City, uh, barking and doing open mics and doing comedy, just living in New York City. That's the reason I went to New York City was to do comedy. And I met him um, probably a a, a little bit, maybe half of the way through, and then once I met Dan, I was kind of like connected to Dan in a way. Like once we, he was already like five or six years in when you met him. Uh, more than that. I mean, I guess at that because he was talking about in the interview, he was like what eleven, twelve years in. So or now, as of now, and then that was in two thousand twelve. So yeah, I guess that makes about that makes sense for the most part. Um, but yeah, I met him and he had been doing it for a while anyway. Uh, he came from upstate New York and he was. Uh, running the like he put together the hoboken comedy festival it's like his fat he made that festival and um he does a bunch of other just you know shows around the city and whatnot that i would participate in and he would help me he he would do weird things for like like he was running like advertising videos and stuff for realty 
firms. Like there's one realty firm called like Stonehenge and they had him producing like music videos and shit like that. Mm. And um, I was in one of those with him or not with him, but he was just there doing the whole thing, producing the whole thing. And I was like acting in it with a bunch of other people. It was really fun. Uh, but I did a bunch of things. It was like all these uh, photo shoots they would do for like the... I think I remember you in that commercial. Were you the guy walking around the open house pointing, pointing up to at the... stuff? It was like a music video. Yeah, it was like a music <laughs> video. And the whole thing was they would have they would have us like the same cast of people doing just like dancing in different places in their... Uh, in, in like their uh the what they what they in the homes like what they offered so like a lot of them were like apartments that offered like a nice gym so it was all of us like in one of their gyms doing something and then like all of us in like one of their really nice laundry rooms like doing some kind of dance thing and then it was just kind of like that the whole time it's hmm. pretty uh but it was we had a lot of fun anyway it was always, always doing stuff with dan he was a really great guy uh gave me a lot of opportunities and i've been friends with him ever since i left the city um you know, he does this, he, he travels around and he puts on comedy shows every under best, uh, comedy's best kept secret comedy tour. And, um, whenever he comes down to Florida, I usually will go and, uh, if he's close enough, I'll, I'll jump onto the shows with him. But he also does, he does, he's got his hands in a million different things, but as you'll hear, he also is doing the porn stars are people podcast, which is a great podcast that everyone I had heard of him through you, of course, mm-hmm. and I had never met him. I really enjoyed the talk. It was fun. It seems like he's at a crossroads where he's been doing it for a long enough time now, and he's wondering, am I going to become a 9-to-5-er, or am I going to fucking break it or make it, or what? I know. I'm thinking that knowing Dan and knowing the comedy industry, it's like everyone, every comedian that you hear of, they're doing it for like 12, 15 years before things start happening before like you're just you're so per- like you've been there for so long and you're finally ripen like your voice ripens all that kind of stuff and so dude if if he would be, he's not there's no way he's going to stop doing what he's doing now he's come too far to turn around i mean plus when you've been doing it that long you can be a traveling guy i mean if you're able to make your money and eat that's the other thing fuck you know what i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with that otherwise you have I think to his... drop that and f- learn some industry and fucking right you know, be a slave to yeah, the machine. Even if, he, even if he stopped, I think he would still end up doing something that was like some kind of producing, you know, maybe putting on shows, just staying locally and doing it, though. But he, uh, I think the reason he's really thinking that is because he's starting to get family itchy. He mentions a number of different times. Frigolette, the guy's a fucking, right. he, he oozes Italian. He's a traditional Italian gentleman. We gentleman. hear several times. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. He's a really great guy. He's a nice guy. And he's always fun to, to talk with. So I hope everybody enjoys the interview with Mr. Dan Frigolet. Let, let's put it on right now. With us here, very special friend. I've known him for a minute. He's been uh, uh Greg is just meeting him. Our friend, comedian, and podcaster, Dan Frigolet. How you doing, Dan? That's, I'm good, man. It's funny when you call me your special friend it sounds like we have a, an arrangement yeah well i mean we it's it is an arrangement it sounds like we have some sort of like nude arrangement this is my special friend well you stay fully clothed i'm usually the one that is uh do all i nude it's uh that is true it's that a dominance it's a dominance thing yeah i have plenty of pictures of you uh, of you trying to uh, to hide yourself with various items around the house <laughs> you know, 
that quickly went from from joke to 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 realism. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So it's real. So Dan, you're a stand-up comedy. You're a stand-up comedian. That's how we met. You were doing. Uh, you you run all these shows like the Hoboken Comedy Festival up in uh, New Jersey. Yeah. And you're a fucking hilarious guy, dude. How? When did you start doing stand-up? How did you start doing stand? What was what's that? What's your stand-up story? I was twenty, and I sort of figured out that it was um, it was like Kaiser Sose in my life. You know what I mean? You know when you like figure something out about yourself, and like the whole time you're like, it's been there the whole time. Yeah. Oh my god. So it's like I figured out that comedy was a through line on life. The things that mattered to me were being funny. The things that were important to me were people that were funny. The ability to make somebody laugh was like what made my relationship with certain people in my life. So, uh, in in a very Dan Frigolette, and you know maybe you'll you'll be the only one who understands what that means, but in a very Dan Frigolette um, uh, sense, then from there I just go, okay, cool, I got to get on stage. How do I do that? And I just went to the place that had stage time, and I was like, hey, I'm Dan Frigolette. I want to do this thing. Um, that's just sort of how I, I just literally walk up to the people that have the thing. And I go, hey, can I have the thing? Can I have the thing? So I was 20 years old, and there was a guy who had a comedy and magic club. Comedy and magic Hawaii. club. Always. Why are those two things always in the same kind of space? They don't. They're not anymore, but they were at one yeah. point. Um, every magician wants to be a comedian, and every comedian loves magicians. I don't know why. <laughs> but they don't want to be don't. magicians. <laughs> No, they don't respect magicians, but they just love. No, them. And nobody, re- yeah, nobody really wants to be a magician except for magicians. Yeah. And magicians, because the thing is, it's a completely different type of thing. It's like uh, magic is this thing where it's like you just accumulate as many tricks as there are, and it doesn't matter where they came from. Whereas in comedy, the whole thing is ownership. All you want is the ownership of the jokes. Right. But so, yeah. Excuse me. So I had a, I had a, I had a buddy who was a magician who uh, was pretty good. He had, he had gigantic hands and figured out how to do sleight of hand, and that's how he was trying to bang girls when we were in high school. Did and it work for him? him? I said, yeah, I mean, a little bit. But So I brought, so I, I called him up. I said, listen, we're going to the comedy club. Get your fucking, get your nice shirt on, and let's go to the comedy club. Because here's the thing. I always looked older than I was. Like I, was, I, was I have a confidence that precedes me, so I knew that as, at 20... To get into this comedy club where you had to be 21, I wasn't going to have a problem. Where are you? Buddy, are you? Are you? Is this New Jersey, New York? Where are we talking? This is Syracuse, New York. Okay. And then my my buddy who, and this is summertime, and then my buddy who uh, still to this day, he's 36 years old and can't grow a beard. God bless him. Uh, he does <laughs> not look, uh, you know, he does not look older than 20. So I show up to pick him up and he's like wearing like high school clothes. And I was like, dude, we're fucked. <laughs> uh, and, he, and he was like, he was not, he was not into it. He like didn't get the whole point that well, this and that. So I was like, cool, we'll just figure it out when I get there. I'll just have to talk my way into this thing. So we met the guy. He said, listen, we want to do this, that, and the other thing. Can we watch the show? And then end of the night, the guy comes up to us and he's like, listen, uh, you guys are my sons now. And we're like, what? He's like, I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody to pass this shit down to. So from now on. You guys come to my club anytime you want. Don't pay a cover. Bring a date. Do whatever you want. Hang out and watch the shows. And I will. I will impart whatever knowledge I have on you. And this is the owner it, of the club. It's not like some yeah. bouncer or some weird magician hanging out in the back. No, he's the owner of the club. He owned the club. He um, <laughs> he was 
the he was the MC. He was a magician at uh, earlier, and like he's got pictures of him doing like Houdini type shit, like hanging upside down from a crane, getting out of a straight jacket. Awesome dude. Um, I actually had the opportunity finally to like have uh, to perform with him again since I've been doing comedy. I, I called him up last year. Yeah. Around this time, actually. Yeah, it was okay. like a, it was like right around June, and I was like, "Listen, man, I'm coming down to Florida. Uh, I know that's where you're at. I want you to, you know, I want you to take the stage with me." You know, I wasn't really putting in the terms of like open for me, but it was like, "Listen, I, you know, I'm on a headline, and I'd like you to be on the show with me." And it took a lot of talking him into it, but I packed the room with like 110 people at a place that's never seen 110 people before, so they were like, well, "How did you do this?" Right. And he showed up. We had a fantastic show. He was like, I'm going to do like 10 minutes. And I was like, uh, I was like, hey, listen, do 15. And was then, that like two tricks? No, he doesn't do magic. It's just comedy. And so oh. he was on and he did, uh, and, and he did like 30. Cause it's like, he, he looked at me at like 15 and I was like, no, 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 just keep going. Just keep like, going. 110 okay. people in the room that fits 107 people. So, you know, yeah. Cause if you got it that pack, it's, you got him, you got to get him going. Uh, it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. So he did the thing, yeah. So that was it. So that was so. Uh, from that moment on, I was like, okay, this is this is a problem now. And so I had a uh, two semesters left at Syracuse. No, I had three semesters left. No, I had, I had four semesters left at Syracuse University because I went to London immediately after. London. And so I would put on. Yeah, I went to London with Syracuse, and so I would put. And I got a club. I got a job at a comedy club in London, picking up classes, and just watching comedy. I watched comedy. So I watched comedy all summer. Watched comedy the whole uh, six months in in England. And then came back to the U.S. and then had to finish three semesters left of college. It's my middle of my junior year when I come back. And I got to, um, I just put on a show. I put on one show a semester and I like try to get my friends out in like, a, in like the downstairs of like one, our like student union place. Right, at Syracuse University, right? So yeah, and, and yeah. when you're in England watching this, was it like uh, you're watching these professional comedians or did you see an open micers in England as well or? No, it was. I mean, it was the comedy club. It was like one of the main clubs. There was only like really two clubs at the time. There was the comedy. I think it is called the Comedy Store. Yeah, yeah I think, I think there is a Comedy Store in London. Yeah, it's a Comedy Store, and then this one, which was called Comedy Cafe, and it was great. And and it was just it was just fantastic. And and and, uh, and it's compl- it's a completely different setup because the the club that was in Syracuse was like a headliner club. So the so Joe would host. That's his club. He'd have some guy as a feature, and then he'd have somebody close the show as the as the headliner. Right. As you know, 40, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh-huh. And then in England, it was just everybody's doing twenty, and yeah. they'd take a break in the middle. It was, so it was like such an odd. That is weird. An odd shift. That is. But that's British comedy and, and South African comedy as well. That's how they do it. They take a break in the middle. I kind of like the that. The MC's job is to like get everybody back. Yeah, the MC is. It, the MC is basically the headliner instead because he's going to do an hour throughout the show. Right, right. He's got to make sure that the thing goes right. Like, yeah, I, the, would, that would put a lot of emphasis on the the MC to keep that, especially when you have that big break in the middle and you got to rev everybody back up. You don't have that momentum right, you anymore. Gotta, right, you got to get them right back going for comedy. And then, and then it's interesting because then, then there's a headliner. Uh, then there's two headliners on the show because there's a headliner before each break. Right. Interesting. I never knew that. We'll check that shit out. The more you know, everyone out here is learning. So now this puts us, uh, you're about, what, 22, 23 at this point? You're doing a show a semester at, at Syracuse? So I graduate, right, I graduate, I'm 21, and I just say, fuck this. Uh, well, at that point, I decided that this is the thing. That this is the problem. This is what I'm going to have to pursue. What were you and studying at the time when you were going to, were you just getting your, your AA, or were you majoring in something? I don't know what an AA is. No, no, it's 
a four it's a four year degree. It's a bachelor's. It's uh, Syracuse University. It's one. It's uh, they have the one of the best journalism schools in the country. So, so I was in that school, Newhouse Journalism School, and I was doing. Um, this is the problem. I didn't and I didn't realize the level of of um, maniac I was. But like, what I found out was like, when you're doing a liberal arts degree, and I was doing two majors, and then I picked up a minor. So, like, I did this dual major minor thing because I started to realize that I could petition anything. So I got into Syracuse on one program, pivoted to another program, but I liked them both. So I just said, I'm going to take both of these degrees out of here. So I got two majors from two different universities within Syracuse, two different colleges within Syracuse University. And then um, I had taken some classes in London that they were trying to make uh, not count for any prerequisites anywhere right they didn't right. count for any of my degrees right. and i said no nah, that's not gonna fly so then i just started petitioning stuff and once i realized i could petition stuff and win i was a real i was a real problem because <laughs> i was just like i was looking at the schedule and i was like i need i, I needed 136 graduates to gra uh, credits to graduate so i needed uh roughly 18 credits a semester Right, um, and when you say plus, that you're petitioning things, are you literally like going around and getting people to sign shit to to get things? No, no, no. no. How I don't know what the university. fuck you're talking about, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna explain it. So, All right. so how it works at university is, you know, you have prerequisites for the degree. Sometimes you'll take a class, and they'll be like, "Cool, this doesn't count towards your 127 credits for this degree, or it doesn't count for this thing." And I go, "Oh hell no!" Nah. So you go in, you write a, you write to the department, and you write a, you write a petition as to why this thing should count for a degree, or should count towards your prerequisites, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So I ended up picking up a minor. So in, so I was at Newhouse for advertising. I was in VPA, Visual and Performing Arts, for for a thing called Speech Communications, which got changed to Communications and Rhetorical Studies. Uh -huh. So it was like public speaking persuasion, rhetoric of horror films, rhetoric of hate. I was taking all these really fun classes. Yeah. And then, because I went to England and they had all these weird classes, they had a class where you just go to museums all day and then write papers. And then I had a class where you just go look at buildings all day and write papers. So I took those two classes. And then they were like, oh, yeah, these don't count for anything. And I was like, no, they do now. Bullshit, they so do. I petitioned, so I petitioned for the, for the fine arts department, which is the college that it was, uh, or no, it was VPA Fine Arts, and I petitioned Fine Arts to have these classes count for a general fine arts minor, which didn't exist. You had to be art history minor, or architecture history minor, or, or music appreciation minor, and I had one of each of those classes, so I was like, no, I'm going to take a fine arts, like blank fine arts minor, and so I petitioned that, and then once I did that, I was looking at the schedule to, to, to you know, I needed the 18 credits. And I couldn't get Friday classes by then. Nobody wanted to take Friday classes. They didn't have any Friday classes. So I found one class that met on Friday for five hours. And it was, um, and it, can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay cool. It just, it, just, it just said like reconnecting. Um, and it was a class about one artist, and it was a grad level class. And it was the only class that met on Fridays. Right. And so I petitioned as an undergrad student to take this graduate level course. And the only other people in the in the course like wanted to be our art history, art historians, because uh -huh. they're getting their masters in art history. And I'm just in this class like an arrogant undergrad, like a, like, I, a I, like a Dan Frigolette, like a Dan Frigolette. And me and the and the professor immediately didn't hit it off because she was terrible, and I would let her know that what she was doing was kind of shitty, and she didn't like that. 
Because, okay, so the class was on a guy named Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch, for the most part, has one painting that anybody knows about. It's called The Garden of Earthly Delights. It's a trip. It's a triptych. The left side is supposed to be like hell. The right side is supposed to be heaven. And the middle is kind of what's going on right now. Right. So the course, one semester, was all contingent upon one paper that we write and the paper was like a 20 page paper with it which i'd never written because i was an undergrad right. and the 20 page paper was supposed to try to identify the symbolism of the 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 yeah the symbols that like like what what the basis of the symbolism was for all of the things that, that were in the painting there's all this weird shit in the painting we had to like figure out what's what it comes from but the woman who was teaching the class was about to publish a paper where she had figured out where the symbolism came from, and she decided it was old school alchemy, right? Which is like rudimentary chemistry. It's like before actual medicine. Yeah, they like were just they were, yeah, just trying to turn the, everything into gold. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. Well, there was well, there was these things. It's like uh, you know, like bloodletting was a big thing in medicine. So it's like they, if you were too sanguine. Mm-hmm. They found that you were too sanguine, which they, then that meant that you had too much blood, and they would bleed you out. That's, that's a how, common like, problem. Died. It's a big, big problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's how people. That's how a lot of people died. I think George Washington died from bloodletting. Really? Not George Washington. Is it George Washington? Somebody. At this somebody point, super profi- like super important to our to our country's history died of bloodletting. I think it's Washington actually. Yeah. I think, it, I think um, it was George Washington Carver. You're thinking of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy who who, uh, who created peanut butter. Yeah, he was super <laughs> influential to our to our country. So. Uh, basically, I, I was like, I'm not gonna. I'm not, so everybody else was writing a paper that was helping this lady write her book, and I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Right? Yeah. Fuck this lady. So I wrote the opposite paper, and she didn't like that. So she gave me a C. So you wrote a paper about like, how all of that symbolism isn't about alchemy. It was a yeah. I just wrote a paper that that that, that, the, that the symbolism of the painting was about something else. Right. Right. <laughs> And I proved my case, and so then she couldn't use any of my work for her work, and she wrote it, she wrote it up as a C C paper. Uh-huh, and I was so I went to her and I was like, "Listen, this isn't a C paper," and she's like, "Yeah, it is. Get out of my face." And I was like, "Cool." So I took it to the department head, and I was like, "Can you regrade <laughs> my paper, please?" And he was like, "No problem." And he regraded my paper and he gave me a B plus. Nice. Got a whole fucking grade out of that shit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Well, so that's the petitioning. I never knew what the petitioning aspect of, and that was uh, how you got your your you know you Dan Frigolet your way through uh, university and whatnot. When you yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I learned I think I learned some lessons there. Yeah, I think you did. And when you I didn't know I was being an asshole. I mean, there's a there's always a fine line with uh, with the confidence and being an asshole at some point, but then you become more self reflective as you become older. Well, I mean, what it is know. is I just think I don't know. I have this. I this it's funny because this is the, a guy who I really respect in South Africa. Sort of describe like he like decided to explain to me why it makes me an asshole that I have this. I have like a I have like almost a moral code that like is a, like the rules are important to me, right? Uh-huh. So, but the problem is nobody else cares that much about the rules. So then I become the asshole because I'm trying to abide by the rules that nobody thinks are important. Right. So I'm. So I'm like, guys, we can't talk. The teacher left the classroom. And it's like, everybody's like, yo, we can stop talking right when she gets to the door. And I'm like, no, she said don't talk, right? right. So that that inherently makes me an asshole. So now you're... I would agree with that assessment. What are you going to do? But but that's... um, 
that's a very uh it, well yeah it's, it, i i can understand that so it's like when you're on it's like when you're on the highway and somebody somebody does a hypocritical does hypocritical behavior right like they're going slow and then for some and then as soon as you pass them they decide to speed up and now they want to be in a race with you right and you now you're going dude you're trying to like reason with these people and you're going look man you were going that speed uh, just maintain that speed, and just then maintain. we have no problem. But for some reason, you want to race me now. We're living in a society here. There's, can we all just live, be coexist in this society? This people are, but people, but people are shenanigans, and people, and people are not, um, people are not honest with themselves about what their, what their own uh, level. This is the biggest problem I'm finding lately: is that people are not responsible for their own behavior, and they don't, they don't even look at it as if they're doing anything wrong. It's everybody else is doing something wrong to them. And it's just making this really awful thing happen. Yeah, it, it's too easy to lay the blame for everything that. Um, I think that to be happens. fair, a lot of times with this stuff, like especially with the traffic, but like other related things, we're usually all good people most of the time. But you have that lapse where, like, you're texting for a minute on the highway, and then you look up and a guy's trying to pass you, and you're like, "No, fuck that! I'm not gonna let him pass me." And the other guy's like, "What the fuck? We're all driving here, paying full attention." And right. you know, well, you're fucking with not me. Not even that. The guy who's passing you is like, I saw that you weren't paying attention. So I'm going to go around you because I don't want you to kill me. And I go at different speed than you. And look, you. some people eat vegetables and some people eat meat. And uh, we're not the same person. I'm going to go around you because I live my own life. Right. And then the person who was sleeping at the wheel is now like, no, I want to go 82 for some reason. But you're like, no, you don't, and you're like, and so sometimes you go fine. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you speed up and go past me, but I'm gonna see you in one more mile, and you're gonna be going slow again. See, I feel and like we're I, just, I'm we're a, just not honest. I'm aware in my commute that most of the time I do drive like very aggressively, <laughs> like I want to get there, but I do yeah. call myself out on those times when I kind of fall asleep and I'm not paying attention. And I'll, you just the thing go- is, I'm in cruise control, and I'll see the same car sometimes <laughs> six and seven times. How yeah. is that possible? Yeah, I know because people just aren't paying attention. They're not having like a. Uh, you know they're not rushing that day or whatever, but in the, most days I think most people are rushing. It just takes ten percent of us to be sleeping for a minute, and that fucks everything up every day. But those, all of those people, need it pointed out in their faces that they're. But they're that's doing what I'm saying wrong. is that there's not those people in <laughs> us. No, there's, I'm saying there's no there's no upside to that. It's like you go by the guy and you want and you want to be like, yo, but you weren't fuck. I'm in cruise control. Like I want to get a bumper sticker says I'm in cruise control. But like, what am I? What am I winning out of that? You know. I don't know. Maybe, then maybe people will re- respect the cruise control. Uh, you know, I, I had a question. So you, these people are bullshit. I like the dichotomy that you just set up there. Some people eat meat. Some people eat vegetables. Is that an indication? Are you a like a carnivore? Or are you a vegetarian? Or what's your stance on meat and vegetables? Well, I eat both. I, that's literally all I eat is meat and veg. But it's just the idea is like, no carbs. dude, everybody's everybody's worried about everybody else, and it's like, just look at your own page. Right. And Just take care of your stuff. Yourself, and you're the guy. You're the guy who's comfortable going 75 miles an hour, and there's nothing wrong with that. So don't get mad when the guy who goes 85 miles an hour. It's like we, we do this thing. We're like, this guy's gonna kill somebody. I gotta cut him off. I'm like, dude, let that guy live his life. That's he the dangerous to go 85. thing. Cutting him off is the dangerous thing. That's that's crazy. So what uh, years? What right. years are we talking about with uh, Syracuse? You get out of Syracuse and do you go right into comedy? Like, what what time are we thinking? 2005. 2005. So when did you find yourself uh, in the, like, yeah, just what he, exactly what Greg asked, like, right when you graduated, what were you doing? Did you have another job or did you just dive right into the city and... uh, Yeah, well, I just, I packed my car and people were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to do comedy, I guess. 
That's it, man. It's it's that, that easy. At point, I had decided. Yeah, it was it's just like it's this. It's I don't know, man. It's like when you when you meet comedy, you just everything else. It, it's funny now because it's like now I'm I'm like very clear with people about the situation, but it's like uh, um, it's just the through line in life. So it's like once comedy takes over, there's no there's no you can't you can't fight it. Right. You just so it's like you it, just gotta do it. You just got to do it, and it's and it is that through line in your in your life and everything. So everything you're you're doing is revolving around comedy. Uh, well, it's not even that. Like my whole brain is wired for it now. So it's like you know, it's like the the thing that happens on the highway is the thing I talk about on stage now, and that's the only thing that keeps me from from throwing my car into somebody else's car every day. Because I'm like, I'm just going to go talk about this on stage and then get the catharsis of that because. People are idiots and they don't even know what they're doing. And it's uh, and, and and if I don't have if I didn't have comedy, then I would have to murder people. Right. Have you ever spoken to a therapist? No. No. Have you ever thought about it? Is. I don't need to. I got comedy. No. I mean, yeah. I would do it. Honestly, this is the thing. So I got I got uh, I got uh, health insurance from from the state of New Jersey, and so I was like, yeah, this would be fun, and I could get something from this, and obviously, like. There are things in my life that are that that could be sewn up and so on and so forth that I've that I've self-diagnosed. But it's like um, I don't believe in drugs, so I'm already like I'm already into that. But then what I found was that I can't get an appointment uh, unless I'm suicidal. They were literally like, "Oh, it's like six months from now," and I was like, "Yeah, but what if?" And they're like, "Well, are you hurt? Thinking of hurting yourself?" And I'm like, "No, but like, this is dumb." Wow, really? Yeah, they wouldn't. And it, was no. that because of the the health insurance that you had, or is it just like <laughs> in general? In, I live in. I live in New Jersey, New York City area, right? So it's like, all back. Everybody all needs a fucking up. therapist, buddy. Come on, next. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's all backed up, right? So it's like it's like even if, even if I want to go to the dentist, it's like six month appointments, you know. Wow. Even if you're uh, suicidal. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm like, listen, I'm so I'm I, uh, I'm suicidal. I need to I need to see. I'm thinking of hurting myself if I don't get this cavity filled. <laughs> like work. All right, right this way, sir. Right this way. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. So so I went to New York. So fuck it. I, I got all kinds of jobs that uh, so that I could maintain the ability to do comedy. What were some uh, of the what, what were some of the, the make work jobs that you were doing? Dude, I've, was, been, I've done I've done, all, I've done all of the jobs. I've been very literally, interested. Literally all of the jobs. What so was your favorite? When I, got to, when I first got to the New York, I was doing at the same time. I was doing I was promoting clubs, working at a coffee shop. And uh, running uh, the, the marketing side of a magazine, all things, so, all just to cover half a month's rent simultaneously, <laughs> and then and then also trying to do comedy. So it's right. like it was just, it's just, it, it was just crazy because like it, I would have been better off. And it's like this is just the hindsight thing. It's like I would have been better off. I had all these, I had all these big money offers when I was first getting to New York to like do comedy, or excuse me, to do uh, like a nine to five job. But like they, the the amount of commitment that they wanted. One of the companies wanted a three year commitment, wow. right? And they want and they wanted me to work seven to seven. And then after seven, uh, they had all these like company like, um, what are they called? Uh, like happy hours. And it's like, bro, right. when do I when do I get time to myself? You don't. You're one of us now. One of right? us. So I, so, I, so I had to say no to those jobs. But like, but if I look back, it's like I could have done that job for three years. Banked, 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 banked. I, you know, at, at the rate that they, what they were offering, and 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 what I knew my ability was. What was uh, the work? What was the job? It was like it was like headhunter type shit. But it's like what the what the what the what the work was, and what the, and what the commission structure was. I probably over three years could have banked like half a million dollars, and then I could have just said, and then I could have started comedy then. But I I just I felt that if I 
was in that circumstance, I wouldn't I wouldn't work hard at comedy and I would get and I would get like a lord by the money and I would just like end up being a money guy and then comedy would be That's like ninety five percent of people get sucked into that dude because whatever you, you make right. X a year, you spend one point two X and at the end of three years you just have fucking a bunch of suits and uh, a big ass car payment and no interest in going to a fucking dirty Comedy but not even night. that. It's like it's like you know. I understand the evil of money, right? So it's like if I if I <laughs> if I build my business to the level of making six plus figures, you know, then then you just become a different person. The tenacity of that. So I became I became a starving artist on purpose. Yeah, and I think that was probably a, the best decision because you're going to get more. I mean, it goes either way, right? Because I've yeah. seen guys. You know Jordan Raybould, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You met, you met Jordan in the mix of that thing. So he was he did the same. He did yeah, the same he, well, he actually did end up working. You know, he was working for a while, right? Well, he went to Yale. Brilliant dude. Shout out Jordan Raybould. Jordan and uh, and he and he started working for um, like a uh, you know one of these like finance houses um, doing you know either investing or stockbroking. I don't really know exactly what his role was. Um, it was something like that, I we think. We talked about it, right. And so he was banking, banking, banking. And so he banked for three years. And then the next three to five years, he's literally just been living on the money that he made from that. Yeah. When because, I when I met him, I think he was just it. like a, a couple months into that. Yeah. And he's just, and he's just you know, and it, and it took me a long time to break down what he was doing, where he came from. I like breaking down where people came from and, and why they're, what they're doing, what they're doing. And so for me, it was like, you know, for him, it because he, he was another guy like 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 you that was working with me on the stuff that I had kind of invented and right. and trying to help me get those things off the ground and make them be successful and you know he just like you was very very helpful in the process um, and uh, yeah so he you know he was a guy who figured it out and had the and had the, the, the tenacity to, to stick to it he said listen I hate this other thing yeah. I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna stay here as long as I can and then bank and bank and bank so that I can do this thing that I think I love. And I think that's a great so, idea, and it looks like it's you know it's, it's working out for him. That's like a yeah, very like, small that's percentage. Saying, that's what I would do. That's what I would do again if I can. But it's like obviously I'm never going to be you know I'm never going to be in that position again. So it's like it's a silly thought. Right. But that's like a really small percentage of guys though. Like if you Venn diagram, like guys that could actually go do the comedy, guys that want to do the comedy, guys that could get themselves into a gig where in three years they can make that money, and then guys that would drop that and go back to the comedy, if you put those together... Yeah, there's like really so many variables. Tiny yeah, so many variables. You have no people. idea what's going to happen in that thing. What's funny about comedy is, and this is the thing I, the thing I talk about a lot, is like, uh, comedy is such a weird profession, especially when you're first coming up, that like anything can happen to stop your trajectory. Like literally, like some guys are out of comedy because they had a kid. Some guys are out of comedy because they got bed bugs. Like it's like, like one, one, one tiny mistake takes you out of the game forever. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you're, you're looking for, uh, it was, it was never going to really, I guess, happen anyway at that point. Right. I don't know. I mean, or, it, I, th- I, th- I think plenty of people could have made it, uh, and the and the cards fell in the wrong way, and they and they quit. Right. And then there's people whose cards keep falling the right direction, and they should have been out of this thing, and they still fucking somehow something just one good thing happens a year, and they go, I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stay in this thing. I'm fucking I'm flying. It. I'm flying this plane. I'm burning. I'm taking this bitch down. HBO showed up and said, make- we're picking three guys: that one, that one, and that one. <laughs> Put them on I'm TV. Make it. But yeah, so it's like you know, it's 
And the problem with this stupid industry is that it's changed probably six times. The level of like what what makes you successful has changed six times in the amount of time that I've been doing it. It's like you know what I mean. Like uh, Isaiah, you got really good at Vine, and that was like a viable opportunity in entertainment for a while. Like there was a, there was a period of time where like. YouTube was just giving channels out to people who had like good Vine feeds, right? And, and you know, and and you put your money in the wrong thing, unfortunately, right? Because because Instagram ended up being the thing. But if you had the followership that you had on Vine on Instagram, oh yeah, then then you would still be crushing it, and that Absolutely. was that would be enough to like get on a show, and that would be enough to like maybe play the comedy clubs. And it's crazy. It's like. That's where we're at. It's, I learned a lot, and this is the thing you said you wanted. To, you wanted to pitch that we were going to talk about the porn thing, but because I run a podcast about porn stars, I learn a lot from these people because they they figured out the newer people. I guess maybe mm-hmm. is, is more who's figuring it out that like just cultivating your own audience is is the move. Right. I think that's a that's like a common through line now in in just about not not you know in porn stars and comedians musicians. I think it's Every everything. Form of entertainment. Yeah. yeah. You. It's it's. If there's you're this, undeniable. Then, right. Then, then there's nothing that they can take away from. And them. if you're undeniable and you have that slight, uh, you know, that sliver of entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship, then it, it really goes a long way. Because at the end of the day, you have to you have to be somebody who can market yourself, not just right. not just be a comedian or a porn star, but you have to know how to get your stuff out there, where to put it, how to fit into your market, right. uh, or fit your, well, into your I niche. Mean, you've seen me. And, You've seen me successfully pack shows with no name. I have no name, and then I can pack a show. So it's like right. every every day I like you know I, I look at what other people have have achieved and what when and the fan base that they created, and I go, what I wouldn't give if I just had this fan base because mm-hmm. I could convert that to such a bigger thing because I'm doing I'm doing the hard work of getting people in the room with no name. <laughs> hey so Dan, all of real a quick, I had a name. Dan, let me just stop you just for a second. We have some. Uh, can you hear that? Can you hear that at all? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Are you guys breaking out of a? Are you guys? Are you guys in a fucking uh, like knuckleheads on the Fourth of July? What is this fucking Vietnam? Yeah, it's like oh, they're blowing shit up like it's Fourth oh, of July. Are you in a different time zone? Why is there fireworks going off right now where you're at? Uh, I don't know. They they were doing it uh, for the past couple nights. It's like just the, it's still the light out. I know. They it is still light out here. They are they are eager eager beavers. <laughs> <laughs> they got a, fireworks ain't cheap, man. There's something funny. There's something funny about that because uh, honestly, it's like uh, they blew their load too early. It's like they didn't even get in. It's like it's not even dark out yet. Premature explosion. I have a feeling right? that this guy, whoever it is, this neighbor of Isaiah's, is ready for the fucking long haul. He's gonna go all night tonight <laughs> and all day tomorrow. That's right. He's that he, guy. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's uh, spreading think so. it nice and even. He's not. He's not blowing anything too early. But, I don't uh, think so. He's either got an unlimited budget, yeah, or yeah, or it's like he's one, or he's one of these people that just that just comes a lot. <laughs> yeah, one of those, one of those specimens of of, of, of human science. Okay, so yeah, no, how I, did no, you? No, I, I know I don't I don't envy those guys. Those guys that go short and then come a lot. They just they just they just they can go short like ten or twelve times. I'd rather just do one long good one. Just one long one. That's all you need, really. Just a good, just a good hour sesh, and then with a really nice finale. Just a, yeah, none that's of this, the way to none do of this it. short, none of this short stuff. But I think, but that's what makes a uh, a good porn star, right? Speaking of porn stars, <laughs> yeah. So, so I got how a podcast do you, called "Porn Stars Are People"? Yeah, yeah. 
how did um, I decided somewhere along the line that there was this thing um, with porn star. I don't know. I, it started to feel like there was like um, parts of the industry that mirror each other, comedy and porn. Right. And I was like, let me let me take advantage of this of this lane. And I I, I just as just as I, I've you know I've been in the right place at the right time for a lot of things, but the problem now is um, instead of getting a bigger build on it lately it just starting to feel like other people are are taking advantage of the lane that i created because now Pornhub is starting to do some things that look very similar to the things that i'm doing and right. i'm not really sure how to approach them Be like why don't you just take me and i'll you, just keep doing what i'm doing but it seems yeah. like they're just trying to do it on their own which they yeah. don't need me obviously they're Pornhub, right they're like one of the most google googled things on earth yeah it's like google <laughs> exists my, because of them yeah, but my dream, but my dream was always that they would just say, "Oh, this guy's already doing it. Let's just let's just use him." But it seems like they're going to skip that part. Yeah. So what is it? What is it? Are they just doing like the exact same where they're just interviewing porn stars on their own sort of? Uh, they're 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 jamming platform? comedians and they're jamming comedians and porn stars together. Ah. And and now they're doing a show where they're having porn stars do comedy, which, as you know, is I have a brand called Porn Stars Are Comedians, where they do stand up with me. Uh, so they're starting to do that as well. That's so. cool. I had not heard of that. So what? Yeah, man, they're they're fucking you. Yeah, I mean, look, what are you gonna do? It's like, uh... I mean, so it's it is. Uh, is it something? Do you think they directly took, or is it parallel thinking? It's something that's inevitably gonna happen anyways. Or you know, it, you, you, it's showing that you obviously have genius yeah, ideas. Yeah, who knows? It's like, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been in I've been in this situation before where I start a thing and then kind of becomes somebody else's or whatever it's like even uh you know i got this i got these uh i got this joke my closing bit for a little bit has been about uh sex toys and the the sex toy that my closing bit is about started uh sponsoring other podcasts so i keep trying to reach out to them be like hey i'm the guy i'm talking about your thing on are you saying that the rabbit doesn't sponsor you Right, and so like it's like, dude, and how how much greater would my show be if at the end of the show I just hand a rabbit to somebody? I'm handing you know out I mean? free rabbits. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm like signing I, them. You know, I'm thirty thousand people a year. You know, are seeing me do this joke. Uh, this would be a good avenue for these people to to co market. But look, I can't. You know, it would I'm make your merch. Fun. It would make your merch table much more fun too. I think. That's yeah, funny. that is funny. That is funny. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I uh, like. Well, actually, that, that is funny. I, like, I do like the idea of selling the Dan Frigolette sign. Uh, <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> this episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Samuel L. Johnson's Bigger Dick Pills. Power. Energy. Confidence. Dominate your peers with Bigger Dick Pills. This all-new proprietary blend of yak urine and cobra cum has been the secret of the Orient for thousands of years. Shaolin monks of ancient China have long been known to have the most powerful members of any peoples, able to withstand a powerful blow from even a sledgehammer. You too can experience this power now with Bigger Dick Pills. Be what you always knew you could be, a big dick guy. Samuel L. Johnson here. Don't mow brown town with your tiny dick. 
Call me now at www.biggerdickpills.com and get yourself a 30-day supply. Your wife is going to notice the difference. Your secretary is going to notice the difference. Your doctor. Well, don't tell your doctor about this shit. Uh, uh, just call me today for a bigger dick. www.biggerdickpills.com, a popco brand. Maybe you just start doing it and then uh, and then send them a uh, a bill. <laughs> You're like, look, I'm I'm doing a, I'm only doing a four dollar markup on this. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I could just sell them. I could just sell them. I could just sell them straight up after the show, regardless. You know. Yeah. Buy them in bulk. <laughs> what do you need all these rabbits for, sir? You know, that's how you get monitored, man. Buying yeah. bulk rabbits. So that's fine. When, so, so were you already? There's no such thing as bad publicity. You know, the FBI starts googling me. Imagine the FBI starts googling me. Now, all of a sudden, ten guys that work the FBI are my biggest fans. This would be fantastic. <laughs> that is right. We Did don't you... know why we're questioning you. All right, but listen, you bought 500 rabbits, so you're in this fucking room until we get some answers. <laughs> I get in with the. No, if I get in with the, if I get in the, a meeting with the FBI, it'll literally be the same as every comedian ever meet. They go, so are you fucking these porn stars, or what's going on, bro? <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> Do you welcome? So, how did you start with like the you, you? Did you just have the idea and then start, or did it just kind of happen? Like, were you doing? Yeah, it's Dan, it's Dan, it's the Dan Frigolette thing. I go, oh, that'd be fun, and then I just started hitting up porn stars, and they started saying yes, and I was like, this is great, this is easy. I don't know why people say yes to me. I really have no idea. I think because you're asking, and most people don't even have the balls to ask. At the end yeah, of the day, I mean, most people that. don't even get to that point. Do you guys know who Nate Bargatze is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's, you know, he's he's hopefully getting a show on ABC, but uh, and, and the deal's been going back and forth for a couple of years, and it's not my business to talk about. The point is, he's he's going to be fantastic. He's on he's on the Tonight Show all the time. He's got carte blanche; you can go on wherever he wants. When I met Nate Bargatze, I was just at a show, and I had just started my show. I didn't know anybody in New York, and I was just looking for comics. And I was at Rafifi, which closed down that night. Literally, the show was uh, was Nick. It was Nick Kroll's show. Mm-hmm. And the performers on this show were uh, Rob Riggle doing a character, um, three or four other comedians who I just don't remember, and then Nate Bargatze. And, and, uh, and, and even of Nick Kroll and, and Rob Riggle, the guy that I decided I wanted on my stage was Nate Bargatze. And I just walked up to Nate Bargatze as a 21-year-old dude. And I go, hey, I'm Dan Fergalette. I want you to do my show. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I didn't know you, you can't just do that. Like, nobody's just doing that. But nobody told you you couldn't. And Nobody told me I when you have that, that kind of confidence and you it. tell somebody, I, I want you, it, it makes him think like, obviously this guy's got some shit going on. Until yeah, well, until Nate were. shows up to the yeah. show and there's like 15 people there and you're, somebody's outside barking him in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, at the time, I didn't, I didn't even need a burger. Like right. the first, show, the, my my first, my first thing at uh, my in New York, the first show I ever ran. Right. I got the bar shut. Da- I got the bar shut down because uh, we we had defied the the fire code, and I didn't know that. Nobody told me I couldn't put it. Like he never told me what the capacity of the room was because he didn't care. I was back in the place, so I had like a hundred people standing room for my one year anniversary of my show that I had just started right when I got to New York, and right. uh, you know, I had Christian Finnegan's on the show, Joe DeRosa. I got all these people doing the show just because I walked up to them. And all these people have become stars, or already were. And the fire department hears about the show, comes to the bar a different, like some other day, looks at the room and goes, "You can't put more than twenty-five people in here. What? How did? <laughs> who's putting a hundred people in this room? What are you doing?" And they shut the bar down for like eight months. Really? Jesus. 
Wow. That's um, uh did, yes. were they upset about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was it was interesting. So yeah, I mean I, I didn't it's not even that I lost the relationship with the bar as much as like I moved on cuz it's like I I'm not going to wait around for 8 months, right? So it's like I well, just got move yeah, just move the show to another else. fucking venue, right? Yeah, I just started doing something else. So I just, you know, I was doing something else and this and that. And then in that in that period of time, I had made the mistake of I met somebody who was um, who was very toxic, and they and they were starting to um, like affect my momentum. Yeah, yeah. Uh oh, the the Dan train was starting to slow down. Right, and no, and it did it. It, it put it to a halt in, in a lot of ways. Really? Also, like when I started out because of the Dan Frigolette uh, phenomenon, I was not being fully aware i was not being as honest with myself as i should have been about my level i knew that i was not i shouldn't be like um closing shows right but i was like i was spending so much time packing rooms that i wasn't getting it wasn't getting that much better that much faster Mm -hmm. and the problem that you run into when you're a comedian and you're packing rooms and you're bringing your friends out and then the other comedians in the show are already fantastic comedians is you're now being compared to them so you're a year in and now you're being compared to guys who are 10 years in and you suck compared to that guy so it was like the 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 well sort of dried up in a way because people stopped coming because they were just like oh dan's the worst one on the show it's like it's kind of embarrassing for us to know him so what do you think that is like all the energy has to go into like figuring out ways to just get the get the leverage with the show and get people in and then there's not enough time to develop the material is that kind of what you're saying? There's only so many hours no, in the no, day. No, 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 no. It was ten. It was guys who've been doing comedy for twelve years, and, and a guy who's been doing comedy for six months. So you just you were just packing ahead of your time, is what you're saying. You, you shouldn't no have been way, in front yeah, of that I many got people. No way to be. Yeah, it's not even that I shouldn't have been in front of that many people. It's like it's I'm going to be you're... that. I'm going to be that guy. But these were these were people that I knew and had relationships with, and so then they left, not knowing anything about comedy. They left, being like, "Oh, he's the worst one on the show." Right. Not not understanding that the reason is because I started yesterday. Yeah, especially you know you're up with those those killer sharks up there. Been in New York for years and decades. Yeah, and dude. Ima- imagine your first show. You know, you're you're at a packed room and and the guy who closes the show is Seinfeld. It's like it's not it's not fa- it's not fair. Nobody's gonna remember you. Right. Unless you're so fucking bad, everyone's like, remember that guy. <laughs> That uh, basically shit himself during Seinfeld. Oh wait, there's no right. bad publicity. That's right. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, I shit myself right okay. before Seinfeld came on. Cause you know why? Cause that's the only way to upstage Seinfeld is shit yourself. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that's that's an that's an that's an old showbiz adage right there. That's right, <laughs> kid. If they're not laughing, just shit yourself. Now get out there and kill them. <laughs> So uh, with so when it came to the porn star thing, you're like, I got this idea for the porn star thing. You're just reaching out to them, and I then was um, like, I, let's, I was like, let's see if I can get anybody to say yes. And then the the mistake that I made initially was like, I was I was like, I'm gonna run this out of New York City. Right. So I just started hitting up people that do feed, uh, feature dance spots uh-huh. at like uh, the, the the strip clubs, and they were like, I don't have any time, bro. And so nobody was was saying yes to the interviews in New York, and then eventually, so I had I had probably four in the bag, and then find and then I uh, and then I happened to be in Oklahoma City. I found out there was somebody that lived in Oklahoma City who was a porn star. Uh, so I did the fifth episode, and then uh, were you holding on to these before you released them, or were you uh, just releasing? I don't as remember. You no, I think I just released them, and I was like, and I was just hustling. I was like, I got to get one before next Sunday. Right. So I was just hustling, and then um, and then I think. And then I just went to AVN. I was like, fuck it, man. And I went to AVN and I did like 27 
episodes in two days. Shit. Yeah. Wow. And so now uh, you're, you're... It's like, I know, I like, no, it's like, like, when you're trying to talk for that period, like 20, it's 2,700 hours, basically. It's like, and like, over two days, it's like, you don't have time to like, re-digest the world. So like, you're just talking about the same shit. Just porn for 27 episodes. But I mean, no, no, <laughs> the goal of the hours. podcast, the goal, no, the goal of the podcast basically is to not talk porn. We talk right. everything else. But I mean, right, that, uh, that is the... If I could fall back on porn, that'd be easier. You just, you know, and then, but then it's the gross podcast that everybody else does, and it's like, yo, so like, what's it like taking four dicks, bro? And yeah, it's so like, I don't tell me about the. So yeah, porn you want to dig in? So that's the the title is porn stars of me. people, and you're trying yeah. to. It just show... doesn't. It, like it just doesn't interest me that like. Right. It's like I get it. That's your job. I get it. And it's like it's like when they put comedians on podcasts and they go, okay, people like start telling start telling bits, and you're like, well, I'm not jokes. Do that. Dance that's not monkey. What this is for. Right. It's not what this is for. Right. I want to, yeah, we want to get to know you. We want to get, uh, the, hear the story and hear what's going on. We don't want to hear about your fucking work. Uh, yeah. And I want to hear, that is, so what is, I want to hear about the, what is your favorite, most memorable interview you've done so far? So I'm starting to get to a position with, sorry, I turned on a, I turned on a talking baby doll. I didn't know it was going to talk. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to get to a position where sometimes if I really if I'm really hitting it off with the person early, um, like a lot of good like joke I'm just trying to be funny. It's just like any other time you're with somebody that you just met, you're like trying to be funny and so like some of the, some really cool shit comes out of so like episode one hundred was fantastic. It was uh, um uh what is her name? Can't, um son of a bitch. Um I'll think of what her name is, but uh can uh no, that's not right. The problem with porn is everybody's got the same name, right? It's like right. it's just the same name. It did like, start with a K. I was just stuff. looking at it not too long ago because you're on episode yes, like Kenzie. what 106 or something. It's Kenzie, but no, I can't think of what her last name is. I think it's Kenzie Taylor. Let me see. Yeah, it's Kenzie Taylor. And Kenzie. so we did the episode. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. You know, Greg just, just riffing. I was just riffing on some stuff, and it's a really fun episode. And I end up riffing on something about like I end up riffing on something that's like totally stage ready, which is about like how. Um, I think we should have divorce parties just like we had wedding parties. So we should go to somebody's divorce and celebrate it. Dance, get drunk, try to fuck each other's, like, the other side of the family all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Like, now, anything anything that was, like, marital property that we can't figure out, we bring it to the divorce and we do and we, and we we do something with it. What, you know, put it in the middle, make it a bonfire if we can't figure out who gets it. Maybe somebody else thought the idea was, like, maybe you should have, um, you should have everybody who came to the wedding now that they come to the divorce they should get money back like they yeah. should get a gift back yeah you gotta give shit back to them the traditions yeah I think I think and I think it's a good idea it's a great idea <laughs> I think that and that I've heard a lot that people who are uh, you know people that are doing podcasts and they're also comedians and whatnot just because you're spending so much time in the podcast they start melding and then you start getting a lot of material one lens to the other. Uh, you know, you're yeah, just, there's that, there's that, right? There's yeah. a little bit of that, but it's just like so. For me, it's more like the the, the bigger takeaway, and it took two conference schedules to, to to feel this way. But now, if I go to AVN, I feel like I know everybody, and everybody's right. happy to see me, and I'm like part of that community in a in a in a, in a large you're way. A, which is a which is a pretty big. That's a big thing being a part of that community. Do is there any it's porn fun. stars that you can start rallying? I bet that would be a good way to. Maybe uh, get that slot on 
in Pornhub right. or something, so you I rally was, the porn so, stars behind you. Right, right. So I was, um, I got a lot of ideas. I got a lot of ideas of, 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 of things to, to accomplish. But it's like I run these, I run these five brands. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it's like I only have so much time to devote to things. And then, and then when I'm in other time zones, like in South Africa, it becomes difficult as well. But it's like, in a, you know, people are harder to get hold of when you're, when you're not in the... In Any the, South African uh, porn stars on there? No, there's no South African porn stars. The way South... Because South Africa is a whole other level of conservative because of just the way that everything happened there with apartheid and whatnot. Right. But yeah. the, you know, the, the idea with the porn stars... No, I definitely like when I, when I put out my album, I hit up... And I'd only been doing the podcast for six months when my album came out. So I hit up all the porn stars that I'd already interviewed and I said, hey, retweet this for me. And a lot of them did. And it was and it was helpful in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's kind of what my, honestly, my, my, my social feed is a lot of like, and this is all, this has made it very hard to date. My social feed is a lot of porn stars like liking my photos and like pretending to hit on me. Right. And it's like, it makes it hard to date because we were like, like girls are literally like, oh, you're fucking these porn stars and they're <laughs> trying to fuck you. All these porn stars are trying to fuck you. And it's like, no, that's not the game. It's like... That's not the game? <laughs> like, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, that's what... Porn stars comment on each other's photos. Just like girls comment on each other. Girl, you're so fucking sexy. You know, it's like, right. that's the thing. It's like, just like comedians posting on other people's, just on each other's pages, like, ha, 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 ha. Right, right. It's like, it's the thing. So now it's like, I'm part of that community. The way, the part of the way that they discuss the world is they just go oh you're so hot so i put up a picture and the porn says go oh, you're you know you're hot uh, but it's not for it's not you know the, it's not that it's not genuine but it's not uh it's not like it's not creepy right but you can't take it you like if I mean? it was somebody else it would be but uh that's just what they do right it's what they do right right if, right if it's somebody else right and it's like and then when i comment on a porn i'm like you're hot it's like because that's i'm i'm adding to what they're that's the goal that's you're playing the game you're, you're in there so, yeah. so it has it has it uh, been difficult? I mean, it's difficult to date for you as it is. You're all over the place, man. You're in, you're you're always moving and it's traveling. It's impossible, dude. It's impossible. But, I gotta do. Uh, I, I, are you open about your life on this podcast? About my personal life? Yeah. Uh, just to to an extent. I mean, but I, I don't because I don't think people really want to. I'm about to say a thing that I was just gonna like give you a compliment. It was like I just gotta do what you gotta do. I just gotta get somebody pregnant and figure it out. That's what I gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone I knows I got a baby out there. I was asking for permission to say that. That's yeah, I got a baby. <laughs> well, yeah, man. That's what. Uh, that's what you got to do. Just that find was, one. That was like four months after I. That was four months after the last time we hung out. You put a baby in somebody. I did, man. And I came down there actually to do to do uh, podcasts. That, that trip I was doing podcasts and doing porn star comedy shows. I remember that. Yeah, you were down in Miami because Miami's a big place, big hot spot for all that. And then you moved up, uh, you, I guess up in Tampa, there was some some feet people, you said. Some foot people, yeah. Not even in Tampa. It was, uh, it's by you. It's in uh, it's in like uh, Sarasota area. Really? Yeah, I guess the feet people are in Sarasota, yeah. huh? Yeah, well, you know they got the FetCon is by you. I had no idea about that. FetishCon. Uh, the FetishCon is right by you. It's in Sarasota. Really? Uh, yeah, it's in like St. Petersburg, Sarasota okay. area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it's the fetish. It's the fetish capital. He's playing. He's playing dumb. We met in that bookstore. <laughs> the the foot foot. It's called foot store. Yeah, we met in the uh, the pinky toy aisle. Anyway, it's just picture. It's just it's just a, it's just pictorials. Yeah, I'm Straight thinking of me. a I'm thinking of a mashup for one of your shows. What do you think about? Comnography. Comnography. Com- I was gonna say com like comedy pornography, but com would com maybe be more. 
Yeah, what about uh, what about Pornity? Pornity. Then, then it's almost like parody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That almost sounds like shorthand for porn addiction, Pornity. <laughs> yeah. me. Sorry for sneezing on your cast. Uh, I was going to say, uh, um, yeah, what about what about exotic exotic mixed with comedy? Exotic. Exotity. It doesn't exotic, matter. yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck you guys. Fuck you. The fuck best, you. The best first, the best name for the thing is uh, porn stars are comedians. That's the thing. Porn stars are comedians. That's comedians are not name. porn stars, though. That's. But you know sure. what I figured out? I finally figured out the perfect dynamic of that show, and it's and yeah. it's a really fun, really awesome show now live. Um, so the, yeah, where you get the uh, the porn stars up on stage. So it used to be the the one that we did in in Sarasota was like we I sort of just forced three girls that like. Um, they were friends of mine. Just, mm-hmm. I was like, it's fine. Just go up there. Just tell a couple stories. We'll figure it out. And I sort of like forced them to do it, like sort of not against their will as much as like they were just like, oh, it's going to be weird. And I was like, it's fine. So the thing that came out of the, the most recent one, Brooklyn Chase, did one with me right after Exotica. We did it at some sleazy bar in New Jersey. Sorry, bar in New Jersey. Uh, and we, we just did like a question and answer mostly with Brooklyn Chase. And right. because I've been doing comedy for like 115 years, I could fi- I could see the avenues of comedy when she would say something or the question would come and I would and I would take those avenues. So it was wildly right. funny. She felt funny. I felt funny. The crowd was having a good time. They got to ask their stupid, uh, you know, their... Uh, What's their, it like to have 10 life? dicks in your ass? <laughs> right. They got to ask those dumb questions, right? I get the, and, and no I would, dick in yeah. the ass questions. What's Listen. the first thing you eat after a uh, after an anal scene? You know what's funny is yeah nobody because I don't do that stuff. I wonder if that's a, I wonder if that's questions that people are asked because there is some still. So the first the first person I ever talked to off cast my first episode Stevie Fox I asked we she just gave me a bunch of information off cast about how porn works and such right. and so forth and and I learned all this shit like basically first day so I was like first day on the job good and I never had to ask those questions but there are still questions that I would ask because I really don't know I because because it's like I do run into these problems in my personal life where it's like you know you want to you want to like have like good and and non um like what's the word I want non shenanigan anal you don't want to like make a mess yeah and I really don't know I really don't know what the solution is it's like you gotta starve yourself that's what I heard I think it's that but I think it's, it's also like you know uh, episode 3 the person interviewed in episode 3 she did a she literally would do she would like do like uh, an enema yeah yeah but not an enema she had her own she would it was like a hot water bag yeah you could do your own on enema shower head yeah she's hanging on the shower head with like a with literally like a tube like a like an IV tube uh-huh. and uh, and flush it out. I think uh, I think it's it's pretty hardcore for him though. Like if you, part of your professional situation is anal, like I saw like a blooper reel once. It's not the type of shit you want to look up, but like like a <laughs> prolapse. Did you find an anal blooper reel? Yeah, dude. It's like it was like a you can look up a porn star blooper reel and. It's like, all poo all the time. No, no, not even. It's even worse than you could imagine, dude. The whole, it's even worse. The name of the video was like, whatever her name was, ass falls out. And it's just like a fucking prolapse. It looks like a fucking alien head is coming for a dick. It's fucking yeah. tough. It's tough. We've all been there. Look, we, look, we've all been there. We've all been there, man. We've all seen. You just got to tuck that thing back in there and fucking finish the shoot. Yeah. You, gotta, you know what I mean? You know, you know, when, you know it's, like when, uh, it's like when your boot flips inside out when you're skiing. <laughs> just like that <laughs> kind of like that except there's a guy fucking you the whole time trying to put the boot back on <laughs> yeah but your foot
foot, your foot is the dick in this analogy. So you just you flip it back with your foot and you shove it back in the boot and you fucking and you hit the slopes, baby. Now, do you think it would be as funny to take regular old comedians and put them into uh, in, into porn scenes? What do they just walk in and make a joke and walk? No, nah, they got to perform. If you're taking parody? if you're taking porn stars and putting them on stage, don't you think you should take some of those comedians off the stage and put them in a porn? <laughs> I think I think if it, look they've tried to combine porn and uh, and comedy, right? That the yeah. uh, the 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 South Park guys tried to do it, right? Yeah, they did. They did An- animated yeah, porn. They did something. I can't remember. What, I can't remember what it was called anymore. But they they made a porn that was like or, oh no, it's called Orgasmo. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Orgasmo. comedy porn thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't. And it wasn't funny enough. And it wasn't porny enough. So it, it didn't. It didn't hit. On it you. left you it wanting. That actually came yeah. up in the show not too far back. There's all these different like d- dramedy and rom com and all that. But there's not like a Tommy Boy level comedy with like a hardcore five minute fuck scene. And I think people because would like can. that. I think people would like that. <laughs> no, you can't come. You can't come and laugh at the same time. So laughing is is a, is an aphrodisiac. But you don't want to be laughing while you're fucking. It's just not. It doesn't work. That's hey, true. man, that's true. But don't you find the average work. American male can get blood. back on track pretty quick after he jizzes? It sends the blood to the wrong places. No, I'm the least <laughs> funny when I come. When I come, I'm talking about like right after I come, I'm talking about like suicide and death. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta. Tragedy. You combine you can combine porn and tragedy. That's actually just a snuff film. Hey, listen, yeah. nothing personal, but I gotta snap one off because I gotta try and make a uh, therapist visit, and I really gotta get in the right place so I can get an appointment within six months. What's funny is uh, actually, uh, have you guys ever have you guys ever just uh, been on hold with like something for too long, and you're just like, I'm just gonna whack one now, and you're just whacking one on hold for like well, customer the only- service. I don't think I've ever been on hold that long. I have a feeling that that's something that's going to come up in my future now. That it's a that's a good idea. It's a great way to kill some time. Yeah, <laughs> sneak it in, man. Just sneak one in. Just sneak one in. They'll never know. Because what if they pick up? No, I don't. I don't know. Listen, I don't know who, if anybody listens to this podcast, is probably. And I don't know if it's women, but women, women, we they don't understand that men. We can uh, when we jerk off. It's complete silence. We jerk off like serial killers. There's no. We're like it's like uh, Mission Impossible. We don't right. have to make any sounds at all. In fact, sounds could be uh, bad at any given time. It's like you oh, just gotta. Sure. It's like you gotta push that button. I've been married for a long time, and you just gotta keep on pushing the bar to weird places, and then you zip up, and you're like, I, I'm not really into that, am I? I just, I only have like six <laughs> minutes. That, I needed to push it to the fucking edge real quick. Is that where we are oh, now? You're talking, about, you're talking about your porn tastes. I'm talking about my porn tastes, yeah. Oh, interesting. I don't. Yeah, I don't I, think it's I, my I, actual taste. I think it's just. Sometimes you just gotta up the ante to make things work with your schedule. You know, just trying to get in there, man. I see what you're saying. You're, you're just trying to get. You're trying to get rid of one quick. Yeah. So you. You know what I mean? If you if you make it weirder and you make it weirder and you just and you can just ride that tube, then uh, right. You know, you yeah, can I get mean, real the, efficient. The worst, you know, the worst thing is. Yeah, the worst thing is is to let that psi build up. You gotta you gotta squeak it out. What did you call it? <laughs> The, the PSI. The PSI. The PSI. You gotta yeah. let that shit out. It's man. so fucking true, man. You. So now that you said that, I gotta ask. So I know there's a lot of people that have like life theories on the whole pre-jizz and post-jizz mindset. What do you feel about? Uh, the, I don't know the, what any of those. I don't know what we're talking about. You're talking about the PSI, like. Uh, do you What's feel like pre-jizz, post-jizz? Well, I guess after like how, the P- like, like how does my brain work? Well, you you said literally right after you're talking about like serious morose stuff, but like if you don't. 
release the PSI for a few days? Is it a different guy than, you know, a guy that's releasing it every 12 hours or whatever? I'm going to be honest with you. I have no reason to ever have even attempted or experimented. To not do it? Yeah, I got a dick and I got hands. I'm going to get that PSI out. I don't have any reason. <laughs> yeah. to fucking... Well, that's a whole other theory. I like that. That's yeah. a crap too, man. Am I locked up? What reason do I have to be to be like holding on to this? There's no reason to be doing any of that kind of... I could of... die any day. I, I don't need it to be the day I haven't jerked off. Right. Right. I came, I, I came three times today and I, and I was in the car for most of the day. Do you know what I mean? It's like... So like, you do the math. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's out like, there on the highway, I'm, folks. I'm not... I'm not trying. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not logging anything. I'm not in any sort of clinical trials. I'm gonna come when my body needs to come. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna push the limit and find out what's gonna. What happens if I don't come for two days? Who, what's, who's got the use? Who's got the time for that? I like that. No, okay. Here's a, no. But here's a real story. So the first time I ever drove cross country, right, uh, is a forty day tour. Forty two shows, forty two days. We drove to Alaska from New York, and it Easy. was too many guys. It was like four guys on the tour and we were never in places where we had our own privacy so i just did, couldn't figure out how to like jerk off really the schedule was too grueling it's the first time i ever planned a tour and i was in charge of everything so i just didn't have any alone and he time. didn't plan the jerk off <laughs> right so first time so first time i uh i'm already i'm already uh i'm already a voluminous guy as it is i've i've been in situations where you know where i've been accused of uh, it's whatever it's like uh you know somebody blows you and it's and it's a lot and it's like it's a lot of work. And it's you got to give them the Heimlich after? Is that what you're talking about? It's a lot of fluid. You just got to let somebody know what, what they're in for, right? So I'm just, you know, I can, like I said, I could do porn. No, but so the, um, <laughs> so the, uh, so what happened was we end up in Denver. We're like, we're like three weeks in and we're in Denver and nobody, and I haven't touched my dick and nobody's touched my dick. And especially at the time, I was not even on the level. I wasn't even good enough to be getting sex after shows. But even if I was, we were gone. before The show would end and we were gone. There was right. no other time. There's no time right? unless would, they're they're blowing you in back in like the green room or some shit. Right, I'd have to fuck them while I was on stage to make this thing work. Right, right. logistically, it's it's impossible. So we're gone. So the, the first time we have like a like a like a spare day, we're in Denver, and something about this party that we're at just feels like a sex party, and I don't know why, but it just has the vibe. Yeah, do and, people have their dicks out? I have a feeling after three <laughs> no. weeks and you haven't nutted at all, everything kind of has a sex party. Yeah, even the grocery store like you're walking in. It's a sexy grocery store. This grocery store is sexy. Look at Pam. She's fantastic. <laughs> no, so what happened was, like, it, it, there's, like, a line at the at the bathroom door, and but it, the bathroom has, like, one of these, uh, um, like, a, a frosted window, and it just kind of seems like somebody's either getting blown or having sex. And it just sort of feel like people are disappearing to have sex at this party. And my body definitely disappeared to have sex. And there's a girl somewhere kind of, like, following me around this party. I don't know anybody, but I see this girl following me around and kind of, like, spying on me so i just find the next girl nearby and start chatting it up to her that girl's got a boyfriend but this girl who's watching me doesn't know that so i start systematically making like stalker bitch be jealous of this other girl Mm -hmm. so i go so i see so i say goodbye to a girl who's got boyfriend and i see the girl sort of like go upstairs as i just sort of go and meander around in that area then we're both just like waiting around for the bathroom but I'm like fake waiting in line for the bathroom because I wanted to figure out how to talk to this girl. And she, I've never told this story, by the way. And then so she goes. You heard hey, it here first, guys. Something? She goes, you want to see something? Or can I show you something? And I was like, yeah. And like we just go up into the attic and we start making out. And next thing I know, she's blowing me. Very and sexy party. But I'm also, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Italian dude and I'm, and I'm very, uh, I'm a very selfless guy. So I want, 
I want all the things. I don't. I don't believe in just a, a you know, just a blowjob interaction. Did you tell her that? Look, know, honey, I don't believe in this kind of stuff. I don't believe in it as a concept. I want to participate. I want to be. You know, I'm, if, if I'm going to come, I want you to come. That's the whole. That's the deal. So it's like. Uh, but so so I so I keep trying to like square up and like and pick her back up off the floor and like do a thing where we're both involved and she's just basically like nah son and she's just so I was like fine I guess we're down here and so I hadn't come in three to four weeks and woo she's blind now yeah I mean I don't I honestly have no idea how she made it through the through the challenge but it really it was like I, it felt like I, it felt like I was coming legitimately for 90 seconds <laughs> Jesus Christ and no, no, no issue. I mean, this girl was a, this girl was a professional. God bless her soul. Did she burp and, after? Uh, she just she and the, the so the best part of the whole thing was she just stood up, uh, like kind of like pulled my pants up, buttoned them up, and just goes "Welcome to Denver" and then disappeared. I never saw her again. What an angel! What I an tried angel. to follow her on Facebook. I tried to follow her on Facebook. She denied the request. She didn't care. She just, which you know, she just. I think she could just she could just sense it. She could just sense that I haven't that I hadn't been released. That my PSI was at a was at a danger point. She's like a she's an environmentalist. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah, Denver's got those. Yeah, but so then and then and then what is what is funny is then so I was uh, um, let's see after that. No, I don't know why, but so there was another there was another thing there was another period of time after that because mm-hmm. I, I had a girl come and meet me in Seattle because I was like because I was already worried. This is a girl I just started talking to, and so we hooked up in Seattle, and then uh, and then we did the drive to Alaska, and then same kind of thing. We've been in the car for four days straight to get to Alaska. And then you had to turn on and, and go so back. Oh man, that shit's brutal. So then when I got up to Alaska, I remember I don't remember why, but I, somebody was asking me. It was like this is like a, this was like a very single period of time in my life, and it was like a, it was like a big like nudes were new, and so I was exchanging nudes with people. This is five six years ago. And uh, and so somebody, either I had just decided it was a good idea or somebody asked me to, but I decided I was going to film uh, my ejaculation after being in the car for four or five days. Uh-huh. And again, same thing. Like the, I mean, it looked like confetti. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. It was like streamers coming out of my dick. It was insane. <laughs> and you showed it to everybody? I think I only sent it. I think I only sent it to somebody I really cared about. You know? I really, really care about you. I need you to see yeah, this. Yeah, the gift, the gift, the gift that keeps on giving. You know? That's right. Look at that baby go, man. So, uh, how many? When you're, I know if if anyone has asked you, I know I've asked you. I think that, um, and you said you don't sleep with any of the porn stars. Is that correct? Right, so it's like it's one of these things, right? It's like. Um, the integrity of your situation is is based entirely around what what you want to become. Like, what? Who am I in the industry? If you do my podcast, you have to fuck me. Or if you do my podcast and you do fuck me, it's like. And also, it's like I don't know. It's um. It's just thing. The problem that I that I'm finding is that dudes are like. It's a demeaning question almost. It's right. like it's like oh, this is all these girls know, so of course they'll fuck yeah, you. Yeah. Like like in my head, I, I had held porn stars to a higher standard where it was like oh, if a porn star fucks you, you're the hottest guy on earth, right? Because they get all this, they get they get all the greatest. Yeah, they get the dicked by professionals. Right. So it's like so even so to even want to fuck you is like makes you the the supreme cock in the building, but. 
this is what I'll say because I, you know, you, 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 me, and I had a, um, and you know, I was like down in. All of a sudden, I'm down in the in the area, hanging out with these people personally and hanging out and, and making friends and all this other stuff. And I and I stayed with people and stuff. So it's like, look, man. It, however, you meet somebody in your life, I understand people. Like I, I've done a really good job of not having sex with any comedians because it is just too much of a, a of a problem to mix the business and the and you know the whole thing. Oh, for sure. Um, you don't want to shit where you like, eat, man. Yeah, but it's like if you interview a hundred people of any profession, you're going to meet a couple of those people that you really hit it off with, and it would be a shame to not try and, and pursue something with uh, with those people. So there have been occasions in the last, you know, I've been doing this podcast now two and a half years, right. so there have been occasions where that completely outside of the podcast now reconnecting somewhere in the world, and a lot of these people have left the industry by the time the cast is done. Uh, which is interesting. So uh, you know, really? I've, I've had I've had I've had my fair share of of of, uh, of interactions, and some you know some of them are uh, meaningful and, and long lasting, and some of them are you know. Sounds like you. Sounds like he got caught some feelings. I catch feelings like all you, the time. I catch feelings all the time. It's very honest, Dan. Yeah, I, right here. I've never I've never fucked anybody in my life that where I was like I'm going to fuck this person once. Every There's person always... I fuck, I'm like, I'm going to fuck you forever. Now, look, the reality of that's going to work out is pretty low, but that's always the intention. Right. Well, check that out. That's an Italian for you. <laughs> <laughs> right? Those are, my, those, are my, those are my first jokes. It's like, look, I get it. I have a douchebag face. I look like a guy who's going to fuck you and never call you again. But I'm Italian. I want to fuck you and like make you an omelet. There you go. That's one of my first jokes. <laughs> so... Uh, where, where do you see, where do you want, where, where's porn stars are people? Where is it going? Where, what is the, what's your I ultimate? Know, man. I, don't, I don't know what thing that I'm doing that's going to catch hold, but I'm just going to keep doing stuff until something, somebody grabs a hold of me and goes, you got this thing. So I'm, I, my, my current occupation, uh, and, and I'm not using that in the sense that, uh, you know, like comedian, but actual mind and, and mental occupation is that. There is, I've been doing comedy long enough that I trust myself on stage enough, right? When I started doing this thing, I never thought I would be the guy that I wanted to close the show more than anybody else, but that's how I feel. Right. I feel, you know, I feel that I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy who's going to get out of the audience what, what, what they deserve in a show. Um, finally there, it took, you know, it took a long time and some people get there sooner, but I've been doing comedy 12, to, you know, 14, 12 years. Um, cause there's that little window in there where it wasn't happening. There wasn't enough shows, right? Yeah, well, but, hey man, but that's like right in the meat of when, uh, that's like when the comedy ripens. That's when the comedian ripens is right in there. Yeah, well, because it's like it's the same. It's like it's, it's at some point you got to believe in yourself, and at some point you got to go look. I'm the fucking headliner. This is the deal, and you got to rise to the occasion. And so you know, a lot of the trips to, to across the country and stuff, I could I could make up excuses and go, well, let's let's have this guy headline, let's do this and whatever, whatever. But it's like now I go and I, sometimes I'll go with. When I went down to Florida with you, I had nobody. I brought nobody with me. I had you come and open for me. That was the show, right? We found one other guy, and I just did an hour because that's what the show required. Right. Um, so my current occupation, mentally and, and 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 professionally, is to be doing shows in New York next to guys who have achieved way more with their career, and put myself in a position where they see and the audience sees where we are comparatively. And if I'm not at the level that these people are at, which I think that I am, uh, then I got to do more work. 
And if I am at the level that these people are, hopefully the audience and the comedian starts to recognize, and hopefully the universe starts to reconcile that. Because if, if I have the same ability as the guy who's got all the TV stuff, then someone in the universe needs to reconcile this this, uh, this discrepancy. Well, Dan, I think... I mean, I think that's that is coming. And who is it? Who am I to to even say this? But dude, you're definitely fucking killing it. And I've you know I've seen your show a number of times. I've I've uh, I like you said open for you and whatnot. You're fucking hilarious. And um, dude, and you're doing all you, the things. Well, you've known me, and you've known me since I was the Dan Trigolet that just walks up to people and says what's on his mind. And uh, I and that's still you. <laughs> And you had and you had faith in me then. So, of know, course, so that, that's the that's the testament to it. Look, man, and and not only that, but you're doing what every what what uh, the comedian in this landscape needs to be doing, and you need to be running all these different avenues, and you need to be taking those avenues and fucking them, and doing it your way, and doing it the way you think you should be doing it. Constantly innovating. Exactly, and you're fucking doing it, man. So if anybody. Where so the where can they listen to porn stars or people everywhere? Yeah, it's on. I mean, where are you guys? We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Podbean. We're on some of the other stuff. Um, yeah. So anywhere you listen I to got podcasts, a YouTube channel with it. That's awesome. That's where you. Yeah, and then you can follow Dan everywhere at Dan Frigolette. And can, look out for the comedy's best kept secret tour. We go we go coast to coast a couple times a year, and something now we're in other countries. But there's always a comedy's best kept secret tour show popping up somewhere near you. And come out. Keep it's your eyes open. Yeah, man. you'll never know. And if you follow him on Twitter, then you'll always see where he's going to be. And if it's close to you, you can go out and catch Dan. That would be fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, get on get on the. I know Instagram's down today, but get on Instagram and uh, and get and give me that follow. Yeah, Dan Frigolette. That's F R I G O L E T T E. Just oh, like it sounds, look at this right? Guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> all right. Now well, I see why you got all those Vine followers. This guy's a pro. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. This was fucking awesome, and uh, thank you for having. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show and everything. Yeah, and, sorry it took so long. No, hey, man, it's all right. Now that people know you, you're, you're uh, you know they they know who Dan Frigolette is on the show. We'd love to keep having you back every once in a while just to check in, see what's going on. And uh, now that you've done Road Soda, I'm man, like a vampire, you can't invite me, man. I'll just keep showing up. That's right. Now, now that you've done Road Soda, the rooms are going to get bigger, man. So watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Any, you know, any any talk like this is is uh, is moving the needle for me, and that yeah. makes me feel good. So Fuck I appreciate yeah, it, man. And just like that, it always goes so quick. Just comes and goes. Easy come, easy go, as they say. Greg, what did you learn? Uh, yeah, I, we met Dan Frigolette. I think that was very interesting. I had a lot of fun with that interview. Yeah, I learned a lot about him. I learned, uh, I, I think I had an inkling that he did go to school, but I didn't know he went to, he went to school and made the, made the most of it. Yeah, he was into his education there. Into his education. Like. It sounded like he was into work and it was over his education. Yeah, he overclocked his, uh, his time in college for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else? What else? Um, you know, it was nice to revisit the stuff from 1997. I hadn't heard about all those little things. Some of my, I do remember living through, but some of the stuff was, uh, was new. So that was kind of fun. I never knew that they, the Hale-Bopp Comet people had the $5, uh, 
and thirty cents. Five dollars and seventy-five cents. A five-dollar bill and three quarters. That was the fee to get onto the comet, I guess. Do quick math. How many is that times thirty-nine? Two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks flat. <laughs> that is, uh, I guess the the price. Yeah, the price has probably gone gone up to get on those comets there, huh? We'll see next time the comet comes around. Hopefully, the fair is fair is now. 10. Actually, I did find out that there are two people still in the Heaven's Gate cult that are like on their website. That was how they made some of their money. The cult was designing web pages like in the late 90s. And there's two guys that will answer emails. If you go to like, look up Heaven's Gate and go to a website, they will answer questions. There are two people, as why of the writing of the article that I saw, which I think was from like the Will why didn't you years. kill? Why didn't you kill yourself? <laughs> uh, we get that a lot. We're not doing it. Next question. Didn't want to. Didn't feel like it. Well, there were a lot more people than 39 that were in it. Those are the only ones that were, like, in Dial. it to win it. Oh, they were. They want it. Dialed in. Dialed in, as they call that. Uh, this was, as always, a very fun episode. 97, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it out here. Guys, if you want to write in, you can write in to roadsodamail at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. You can write in on the, the Millennial Book Club Tell us what your thoughts are on Anima or any other Millennial Book Club segment that you uh, that you you may have uh, watched. Whatever your thoughts and feelings are, we don't care what you want to say. You can make and tell us whatever. And if you do that, also send your mailing address so we can send you a free postcard. That's always fun—a free postcard. We don't care where you are; we'll send it to you. You can follow us everywhere at Road Soda Mail at gmail.com. And like I said at the, the beginning, guys, if you could leave us uh, a review, that'd be a lot of fun. We'd, we'd uh, I think it would help a lot if we got a, a few reviews. Let's try to grow the road soda family. Jeff and Nelly and Grant all need a couple brothers and sisters out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, thank you so much. Greg, do you have any final words? Uh, you know, if I could leave you with any parting words, it would be do yourself a favor this week. Cut it off early, put the phone down, get yourself some sleep, get enough sleep. It will change, change your, your fucking, fucking life. life. We keep saying it, but one day you're going to do it and you're going to realize it. 